so last week, uh, uh, the, the, I didn't realize that the Zoom recorder would do this, but there is a point <laughs> at which you have been recording for so long that the, the Zoom is like, fuck you, for your own good, I'm starting a new file. So... <laughs> I that happened. Uh, I, I noticed it about seven minutes into the second file, and I yeah. was like, "We've been recording for seven minutes. What the fuck? Did we just lose three hours?" <laughs> <laughs> and I I was so nervous for what your reaction would be. <laughs> I I look. I didn't even realize until you said it. I mean, I I guess I I guess my my reaction. If we'd lost three hours, I would have been like, you know what? Maybe it was a one-part finale. Maybe just what they've got is what they've got, and and we will we, keep our we quit right at the end. We, you know, we had like the discussion that we had about our forty favorite episodes of Home Improvement, a thing that earlier at the beginning of the episode we specifically are saying we could never talk about forty straight episodes. We'll have so much overlap between our favorites. Uh, oh man. <laughs> That we only had two, two. We're reflecting about one episode ago. This is we we we've become the snake eating its tail. I think it's time that we end this show. <laughs> well, I, I, but I this is my thing. Maybe the reason it's yeah. taking so long, Landon. Maybe it's because we're fucking scared to end the show. Maybe you know, we are. Maybe this is this is a self fulfilling prophecy. Maybe like now we're gonna spend so much time on this episode talking about the last episode that it becomes a four parter because we just can't <laughs> say goodbye. You ever think no, about that? No, I, I think I listen. I I refuse to think about it. Uh, <laughs> if it's one thing I've taken, uh, you can you can take me at my word at for this show is that uh, I'm anti therapy. I'm anti self reflection. This is true. I this don't true. think you Hates should it. ever. <laughs> Ever look or examine yourself mm-hmm. and just keep trucking forward. Yeah, um, this is true. No, trucking I, forward I, while watching no Italian horror movies whatsoever. That is, those are the two things you live by. Go on. No, I do think goodbyes are an important part of life. And I am, I'm ready to make the commitment two minutes into this episode that we're going to say goodbye in this episode. <laughs> okay. It's going to be all the more embarrassing two hours from now when we decide that's not the case. <laughs> Uh, it will it will be the case, but uh, listen, listen, Truman, Landon, are you, are you listening? I I that's all I ever do. Uh, it's been a pleasure podcasting with you, and continue to podcast with you after this because you know we're not done yet. But we can't can't uh, stop, won't stop. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the fact that we broke this into in unintentionally broke this into three parts. Um. <laughs> Allowed me to discover something. Yes. I, I have unearthed a grunt work artifact that <sighs> I think you and I have forgotten about. I think our listeners, if they've been with us from very early on, may have encountered, maybe. But this is a very rare grunt work artifact. Okay. Uh, and I'm excited to revisit this with you in our final episode because we... We wrote this together. Uh, oh no! At the end of season one, w- w- did we leave a time capsule for ourselves? <laughs> no, I, I we've been you know getting Gruntwork Legacy up online, and yeah. uh, in, in doing so, I've been going through a bunch of old files, and in that you know kind of uh, end of Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse of grunt work materials, all of our, where we store all of our corners. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> the MC I, Escher nightmare where all the corners live. I have found this document that we put together uh, when we were a guest on another podcast. Oh, God. We used to do that. We used to go out, Landon. We used to have friends. <laughs> but the thing is, this podcast never reached back out to us. I can't even remember the name of the podcast. We got ghosted the by them. I think, if memory serves me, his name was Alex, maybe? Doesn't okay, matter. That narrows, that narrows it down. Sounds we like are, a podcast run by a man. Interesting. We are interesting. reappropriating this for ourselves. Um, what I have here is... The home improvement reboot pilot that oh my we wrote an outline for, uh, where the the Taylors have been after twenty years and how they come back together. And I thought this is only a page and a quarter. I, I thought we can read this together. Uh, yeah. I can read it via our JTT Junction, mm-hmm. uh, and we can kind of reflect on it as we go along. What's interesting because I've read this already. What I think will be interesting is to look at it through the lens of what we thought about home improvement in the first season versus what we know of it now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I love it. Have you, am I just going to hear you read it or are you going to yes. text it to me so we can build? Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll read it. You, you'd be color commentary and uh, you know, we can, we can pause, you know, all through this, but this outlines a pretty, pretty full uh, like I don't know if it would be a reunion special or a pilot to a new series, but I guess we can determine that along the way. Yeah. Uh, I, I it, So this has only appeared once. Who knows if that podcast is still around? So this is this is the rarest of the rare grunt work uh, <laughs> artifacts. Get get ready. And, you know, hopefully, unlike some of the other things in that warehouse from Raiders of the Lost Ark, hopefully this won't make your faces melt. And if it does, <laughs> don't don't ask us. We warned you. True. We've melted f- people's faces off long ago uh, with a three and a half hour episode last week. Uh, we're just talking to skeletons right now. <laughs> well, that's that's great, though. Hey, so uh, so no one I'd rather hang out with than you bunch of boners. <laughs> oh, you had to go there. All right. Uh, home improvement reboot. Um, I'm just going to I'm just going to launch into it. Yeah. OK. For the last 20 years, Tim, the Toolman Taylor has been in Hollywood as the host of a popular national daytime television show. Think the McLaughlin Group meets the Man Show. Oh, God. But these days, ratings are dropping due to a more women-centric audience during his time slot. Okay. Oh, man. And, and soon he finds out uh, that the, the, the um, studio is going to replace his show with one hosted by Reba McIntyre. <laughs> why did we why did we land on Reba McIntyre where did that I don't uh I, I don't know uh I kind of like it though <laughs> was was Reba McIntyre just really in in 2017 was that what we were maybe. all doing back then <laughs> maybe I just watched Tremors or something who knows I mean I mean listen it, every everyone should be watching Tremors frequently enough that Reba McIntyre is just the first actress they can think of <laughs> uh okay it continues Feeling worn out from the corporate world, Tim Tim realizes, with the help of Jill, who is now uh, who now is running a very successful private therapy business again okay, in well, Hollywood, like, yeah, uh, that family values are of most importance to him. So when he receives the call from his old buddy Al Borland, 
for an opportunity to return to reboot their old TV show, Tool Time, he quickly jumps at the chance to move back to Michigan. I, oh, okay, I'm sorry. If I may, if I may. So yeah, when, please, we wrote, when, when we wrote this, objection, Your Honor. It, and, and when we first wrote this, this is you going off of your knowledge of the end of the series. I did not know. So was the assumption... It, like, looking at it with what we know now about the show, is it that mm-hmm. some Hollywood executives saw the burning down the house segment and they were like, <laughs> holy shit, this man played a talking head song on Power Tools. Give him a show. <laughs> Give him a show. Well, now, hold on. Uh, I think you'll you'll find some twists and turns here okay. uh, in a minute. Okay. But you're right. It is like trying to think of, you know, how, how Tim climbed that ladder did... Uh, Oh my god, I've already forgotten his name. The, uh, well, the uh, who Danny Zorn played. Yeah, I know. The the Paul Verhoeven ass guy. Uh, yeah. M- Marvin Wandell. He's Marvin Wandell. Yeah. Yes. Uh did he turn Tool Time into such a sensation uh and got Tim national exposure that he ended up in Hollywood? Who's to say? Uh we Who's don't cover say? that here. Yeah. <laughs> that happened in the 20 years preceding this uh pilot. I- it's also it's also a very pre season three attitude for us to have. That's like, yeah, he's he's losing his show and being replaced by a woman because because more women are watching TV. Tim is going to react to this in a totally normal and cool way. There's not going to be anything very tiresome and exhausting and angry about this. Well, just wait till this next uh, next turn of uh, twist oh boy. here. Oh boy, turn of twist with turns the of money. Phrase, turns of twist. <laughs> Go I mean, on. Why, why change my character now? No, um, no. <laughs> with the money that Tim and Jill have both earned, they are able to make the owners of their old home in Hamtramck an offer they couldn't refuse, uh, and they are able to move back in. However, <laughs> so much. Well, we had to include the shoe leather of the real estate market. That's a that's a Truman edition right there. That's a guy who. That's a guy who's thinking about, but how would they pay for the house? Go on. <laughs> However, it's not without a tinge of sadness as the fence in the backyard is gone. Mm. This nostalgia lasts only so long, though, as they are surprised by the unexpected arrival of Brad and his girlfriend, who, due to an unfortunate fire, uh, Brad tried to soup up something in his home with more power, mm. and uh, they've lost everything and have no place to turn. Tim and Jill are ecstatic to have them move in until they can get back on their feet. Brad and girlfriend. Why didn't we just pull the trigger on wife? Wouldn't that make sense for Brad to be married at this point? Uh, I Maybe so. Um, I think you'll find why in a minute. Okay. Um, and I just want to reiterate, this is 2017, so there was a lot of eggshells that we were walking on as a society then, and a lot of eggshells as to... Male white podcasting hosts were getting into the podcasting game and wanting to be inclusive and and put out a good message. So uh, sure. before I get into the rest of this, I just want to really steep ourselves in that. Yeah, oh, okay. So wait, you're, now you're saying at the time we were walking on the eggshells, or or the eggs were fully intact, and now we're walking on the eggshells. I no, I think at the time we were walking on eggshells. I I think we were confident in what our views were and what we represented. I think we were seems, seems like we walking are. on eggshells in terms of making sure that everything we said was inclusive. <laughs> Okay, I mean, all right, all right. I'm interested to hear this. I'm interested to hear this. I think we, I, I'd like to think that we still do all of that and that we haven't gone super alt right. But uh, you know, yeah. Let, let's no, let's no, hear no. What we said. I, what what I mean is, 
we've always had our our point of view and it's always been you know progressive and you know whatever you want to label it as but there was a time and place especially when we started recognizing the uh the power that comes with a microphone and an audience that were like oh yeah we need to just overcompensate by acknowledging that we're two white male podcasters yeah <laughs> and i sure, think sure. we injected that a little too much too often okay okay another thing that i think we kind of still do but okay but continue continue <laughs> okay all right all right uh meanwhile uh tim returns to the set of tool time to meet al who he immediately falls back into the alpha beta male chemistry with with lines mm-hmm. like is it going to be weird for you after all these years to be my assistant again uh only to find that Al will not be the co-host of the show. In fact, what he hasn't revealed yet to Tim is that he's the new benefactor of Binford, and Tool Time is now not sponsored by Binford, but by Borland Tools. Wow, okay. That was an unexpected change. Tim asks, well, if you're not going to be my co-host, then who is? To which Al responds, her. Enter Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, all right, I, I like that. I mean, I feel like Pamela Anderson at this point in her career would... Do, I'm oh, Okay, well, wait, actually, no, I'm remembering some other details about Pamela Anderson. I'm, I'm remembering an eggshell that we were not aware of, of walking on yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I mean... I mean, I would like to see both Lisa and Heidi be the hosts of the show and Tim be offered the assistant role to that. that would be that would be funny actually that would be a really funny way to go at it yeah yeah tim, yeah, yeah. tim as the 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 tool guy but he's doing the pinups uh, in the calendars yeah <laughs> okay i mean a little something for the ladies i like it <laughs> but would you would you be as invested in the calendars if it was tim on them i wonder yes of course uh we have to be equal opportunity employers yeah. here that's that's fair that's fair what about men okay go on <laughs> See, we never, and, we never do, we never lean into our white guyness anymore. We never try to make hay out of that. Enter Lisa. She is now a master craftsman herself, able to show Tim up <laughs> the way that Al once did. Only now, it's a woman. Mm-hmm. One Tim might even gra- say a craftswoman as opposed to a craftsman. <laughs> Tim, craftsperson. Tim grumbles Crafts about folk. tool time. Uh, also being about male improvement, to which Al responds that Lisa will be able to hold her own with him, as well as bring in a whole new generation. And mm-hmm. besides, they'll need the advantage because in the interim of Tool Time being off the air, the K&B construction guys have filled the void with their own incredibly successful TV show that Tool Time will be up against. Oh, did we name it? Did we come up with a name? There's no name, but we could do it now. Past Truman. Oh man, I can't just do. I can't just do it on the fly. We have to do a part four where I think of a name for the K and B Construction Guys fake show in the uh, in the outline we wrote for a Home Improvement reboot eight years ago. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. okay. So the K and B Construction Guys have a rival show. That is that's dynamite right there. I love that idea. <laughs> uh, okay. You ready to keep moving on? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to keep moving on. I really like that All we right. are now riffing our own Home Improvement episode <laughs> again. Snake eating its tail. All right. Okay. A few days later, Jill is busting her ass to set up new office hours for new patients and gets her first client, a couple looking for counseling. Okay. When they come in, Jill is astonished to see that it is Mark, uh, who, until now, her and Tim have only heard from on holidays and almost never see. Mm-hmm. He comes in with his husband. Ah. 
<laughs> They've been having trouble, and when Mark saw Jill's flyer in a local coffee shop, uh, he set up this appointment as a way of coming out to her okay. so that she can help break the news to Tim. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, yeah, you know, all right. 2017, just... 2017. Reiterate e- e- that. I mean, yeah, interesting... Yeah, you know, interesting, interesting uh, to hear to hear that that's okay. I mean, I don't. It just feels a little weird now for us to be yes. making that leap about a character who now we have known and sat with for so long. Like, yes. I'm not opposed to that idea. Like, I think that on a representation and dramatic level, that's really good. On a like, but I know that that's not Mark though. Is a yeah, different exactly. Yeah. It's it's shoehorning it in, and I, I find that a little. I don't know. Just the, kind of whatever. Okay, eye liberal yeah. stuff. These these Truman and Landon guys, frankly, kind of problematic. I'm not. I'm not so sure. <laughs> Have you listened uh, to their podcast? Ugh. Go on. We're we're almost through. Here we go. Jill plans a family dinner to celebrate the reunion of their family. Brad and his girlfriend have already moved into the house, so the first to arrive is Randy and Lauren, his childhood mm. love. Uh, mm. And now wife. They are ah. successful archaeologists and philanthropists with a research branch of the University of Michigan. Okay. Tim is particularly excited to see Randy, and there's some exchange like, Randy, uh, I have to get back to work at some point. Tim, you're not going to leave before we're done, are you? Ah, I'm, ah. Okay. Ah, ah. That's what. That's the sound I would make on the couch if I if I saw that happen. <laughs> like, oh, I get that. I know what they're talking about, those scamps. Oh. Um, I, I, you know, okay. I mean, I, I, I honestly, honestly, I was sitting here listening to this. Uh, uh, this is how season eight pilled I am. I was like, oh yeah, Randy, right. Of course. I, I wasn't even wondering where Randy was going to be. <laughs> uh, next to arrive is Mark and his husband. Of course, Tim is oblivious to the situation and thinks that it's Mark's friend. Mm. However, when Tim discovers he's Mark's husband, he has an impossible time trying to comprehend this. Turns out mm. the reason Mark has had been uh, the reason that Mark has been out of touch for so long is that he's been felt uh, is that he's felt uh, is that he has felt been. My God, why did we write this this way? <laughs> Let me start to send this over. It turns it's, out the it, reason that yeah. No, it, it's not like either of us has any experience as a writer or anything. I, mean, I, know. I don't know how we. <laughs> I mean, we're writing this for someone else's podcast. Yeah. It doesn't have to go through the scrutiny that we put through the grunt work filter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Our names aren't on this shit. Go on. It turns out the reason Mark has been out of touch for so long is that he has felt ostracized by Tim's hypermasculinity and never felt like he could be himself. Mm. This hurts Tim even further. Uh, However, seeing Brad, now humbled, incredibly supportive of Mark, and with Jill's insistence, uh, Tim's knee-jerk reaction gives way to loving support and seeing his family all together again. Tim decides his first home improvement project will be to rebuild Wilson's fence in the backyard as a metaphor mm-hmm. for reclaiming the building blocks of friends and family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I w- Did we not have anything in there about like one of the boys moving into the house next door that Wilson used to live in? And they're rebuilding the fence together. I mean, I, end of document. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought I like I had vague memories of us talking about, oh, yeah, a reboot that would end with, you know, like the fence has been taken down to symbolize Wilson being gone. But then 
him rebuilding the fence. But I thought the idea was that one of the boys, potentially with a young son of his own, is living in Wilson's old house. It just... Did did we decide buying one house from a prospective buyer was too much to... uh, That if we went with two, buying out half the block, that that would have been a bridge too far? I, I, I guess I, I, I probably shot that down because of my, um, you know, it's like, no, it'll, it, you know, we can't possibly explain all the different real estate machinations to make that happen. Well, plus this allows us to introduce a new character uh, of a neighbor at Wilson's old house and we can cast someone new in the role uh, that would be introduced in episode two. Who, who would you cast as the the new neighbor to the Taylors in the, the reboot? I mean, got well in 2017. I'd probably yeah. say I don't know Kevin Spacey. No, um, <laughs> Christopher Plummer. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, honestly, not bad. If you if you if we can count on him being around for a while, um, uh, he's dead. I mean, uh, oh, he, he is. Oh, well, that's it. wait. Does that when Christopher Plummer dies? Does that does that mean Kevin Spacey died too? Like, is it like if you die in in the in the Plummer, yes. you die in real his, life? His holiday messages are coming from the grave. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be plum. Uh, so I think who I would cast, I mean, it, it, to go with Timothy Chalamet would be would be too easy. But I feel like it should be because Wilson was the wizened elder. Uh-huh. May, L- Landon, what if it's like a young Sheldon type living next door? What if it's a genius kid and Tim is if always you... talking to the kid? But because the kid is so short, you can't see can't any see. of him. <laughs> I mean... You lost me initially, but that. But then gag, I got you back. I got you back as, hard. As long as we never see the kid throughout the show, never. <laughs> then I might be on board. He's just a voice. He's always but blocked by something. And if we if we do multiple seasons of this, just he's always like Sir Larry trapped in a box, or like yeah. there's always some excuse if he's yep. away from the house that we can't actually see him. Tim go Tim goes to confessional one day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hello, neighbor. <laughs> I'm in the junior. I'm in the junior Catholicism program. Not not in a bad way though. <laughs> oh my god. I, I and also I would be there in like on set and in the writers room in every production meeting with a ruler in case they tried to fuck up the gag by having him wear zombie makeup. <laughs> I'd just be ready. Like, don't you fucking dare. You commit to this bit for what as long you... as the show's on. Wait, 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 wait. In this scenario, what are you doing with the ruler? I'm going to I'm gonna hit him with the ruler if they if they try to, like, you know, if they try to weasel You're out of it. you yourself as, like, a Catholic school mar- nun. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, at le- I'm not measuring anything with the ruler, if that's what you're saying. I'm not measuring, no, the fence has to be this many inches above the kid's face. Actually, oh my God. maybe I would do that to make sure they don't <laughs> fuck with the gag. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Top that, Landon. Have you got a better oh, idea I can't. they could replace Wilson with? I can't. Um, but I am very, very happy that we brought this this script back out, this <laughs> this treatment back out, because I would never have had that image in my head otherwise. <laughs> Wait, would that kid be called Little Willie or something? Like, oh, okay, it, you <laughs> took no. it too far. It went too far. Ah, uh, come on. Well, oh, so you're saying in part three of the finale of our podcast, that's when we went too far. You're saying we're going too far at the like 24 minute mark of the podcast. Oh my god. Yes, I am. I'm saying it. it's 24 minutes into this episode. It's hour six of our series finale. 
God, we went so hard on on Home Improvement for having a three part finale. We were like, Mario, oh, this is too many episodes. <laughs> is there is there any petard that we will not get hoisted on before this shit's done with? I don't even know. Well, I'm glad you asked that because I have a petard that I'm I'm willing to hoist myself on and uh oh, oh. And, and die. I, I'm okay. presenting the petard this, this and sounds also awful. presenting myself upon the petard. Do I do the hoisting or do you do the hoisting? If I'm presenting you both, me and the petard. I think you're you're hoist. I think someone else. I think someone else does it. I don't think you can self-hoist. I don't think it's ever been done before, at least. Hoisted on my own petard implies that I am hoisting myself upon my own petard. You know, I'm immediately sorry that I kind of started engaging with this bit. Um, what, (laughs) what, what are you doing? (laughs) What is happening next? Oh dear God. Um, I haven't brought this up. Okay. Uh, it's another surprise for you. Oh, boy. Since season six. Oh, all right. Okay. And okay. I surprise you in the Super Spectacular in season six. I cannot remember any of these. I don't remember anything we do on this show anymore. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's only right that you forgot it. Um, but listen, we're at the end. Yeah. I have to, I have to round this out. I, I would be so remiss if we didn't do one final calendar corner. No. Fuck. <laughs> Dude. You, you were just telling you, me I was going too far, and now you do I, this. <laughs> On the day think, of my podcast's wedding, you I come to me. <laughs> I think you're actually going to find part of this interesting. Okay, great. Because something happens between season seven and eight that... I can't account for. The mystery is back, and I'm certain that there's actually an answer that we can unsee from going through. Hello, Gruntwork fans. Hello, this is Truman and Landon coming to you from the future. Or potentially the past. Look, it's sort of a long story, but basically Landon and I wound up getting ourselves trapped in uh, sort of a movie memory machine, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's this time-traveling spaceship that's forcing us to watch major studio-released films with big budgets and big stars in them that had huge marketing campaigns that everybody completely forgot existed. Those movies are still floating out here in space, in time, and the movie memory machine is making us watch them and determine, should we send this movie back to modern memory or leave it floating out here in the ethers of space? You may have forgotten about these movies, but we're being forced to remember them. And the Movie Memory Machine is forcing us to make a podcast about the process of us watching these movies and trying to decide if they should be remembered. So here's a little taste of what that sounds like, and we hope that you will, or already have, joined us on this adventure. Somewhere beyond the recesses of time and space, two podcasters are set adrift in a machine, picking up transmissions of movies that are forgotten but not gone. you to guess how many movie theaters this movie was released in i i feel like it's it, the the magic number for us is usually like three thousand is it more than three thousand i mean it is yes it is it's uh I, I i think this might be the most every single theater in america was maybe showing this movie it's not more than four thousand is it <laughs> no it's three thousand three hundred and eleven theaters 
my God, like you couldn't not watch this movie. It, if you went to a theater, you could have you could have bought a ticket to see Children of Men, and they they put you in Barnyard anyway. <laughs> this movie was in theaters. Uh, now, this is what I don't have the the data. You know, I love my data. Oh, the you data do. I don't have is Your data's boy. How many theaters it drops off over this uh, course of time? But it was in release for 150 days. That's almost <laughs> half the year. They really wanted this movie to happen. Like the the powers that be <laughs> wanted America to fall in love with these rowdy cows. We I said it before and I'll say it again. The nation had Kevin James fear for like a split second and it was a bad fever. I, it was a bad fever. I'm glad we found a vaccination for it. it. it the fever broke after about 150 days. <laughs> but 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 the casualties uh, were were thousands and thousands of empty theaters. <laughs> A budget of $51 million, I think that's uh, about what you'd expect for a 2006 animated film. Sure. Um, domestic, $72 million. It turned a profit. I mean, wow. that's not what they would expect at that budget, I think, because of the marketing campaigns that go along with it. But If, if they had a movie in over 3,000 theaters for 150 mm-hmm. days and didn't turn a profit, like they, people would have been <laughs> tried. Like The studio would have killed some people for that. Uh, so you got to imagine that they were hoping for a franchise out of this. You can see them probably doing more with a marketing budget, assuming like if we just get people in the theater and we turn a healthy you know profit margin on this, then we can just start printing money with the plush toys, with the lunch boxes, and then we'll get them with all of the subsequent big budget sequels as well as the like knockoff, not knockoff, but like the the. Barnyard 1.5 that's released between the big releases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they did make a Barnyard TV series that ran for a couple seasons on Nickelodeon. Did they really? Based off of this? Yes, based off of this, and we still forgot it. They were trying so hard to make us remember, and we didn't. This was America's greatest act of cultural defiance was us not remembering this movie that they really wanted us to care about. I- imagine this. You are a director who does seminal movies that stick in people's childhoods uh, from Critters, if you are in the horror crowd, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, The Mighty Ducks, and then you go on to just a string of movies that were fine at the box office, but just completely forgotten. Holy Man, Rockstar, and Man of the House. Along with this movie, Life or something like it. He's the Snapchat of directors. Every movie he makes disappears. Like, this movie is the... It is the gritty reboot of Tarzan. It is the Dark Knight of Tarzan, or it's trying to be at least. And it, it that glosses over the fact that Tarzan is inherently ridiculous. He is a... He is a <laughs> dude... Who he's like Doctor he's like if Doctor Doolittle fucked basically he's like a, a ripped he's a ripped buff <laughs> sexy guy who can talk to the animals. Wait 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 wait. Are you uh, saying Eddie Murphy doesn't fuck? I'm okay. I'm, I'm, Did you I'm, see the Robert Downey Jr. movie? Clearly that that Doolittle fucks. I'm saying that, that you, Tarzan is like if Doctor Doolittle fucked you, more. Like if Doctor Doolittle, like look Robert Downey Jr. Doctor Doolittle occasionally sure but it's not really his number one thing this Tarzan like Tarzan is like if Dr. Doolittle went to the gym every day and like was drinking protein powder before going to a nightclub with his bros clearly you haven't seen Rex Harrison in his top hat (laughs) I would be curious to chart how many movies we cover that include a Steppenwolf song as a montage 
whether it's Magic Carpet Ride or Born to be Wild, I feel like we've already seen about three of them. Like, they wrote this scene because they wanted an excuse to use Magic Carpet Ride. It was not the other way around. <laughs> the movie's called Sahara. How do you think Clive Cussler wrote this scene in his book? Do you think Do you think Clive Cussler, in his book, talks about his two, two main characters f- assembling a, a parasail out of an old airplane to sail through the sandy desert to Magic Carpet Ride? Like, as we assembled the pipes to the rope... I couldn't help but think of the the lyrics to that classic Steppenwolf song. As someone who read a Clive Cussler book in middle school, I can just tell you this is not the dumbest thing that this series does. I can't imagine the ties to reality that they maintain over the course of them. One uh, interesting tie to reality is that in the book I read, Clive Cussler wrote himself into it. He shows up and helps out Dirk Pitt and his best bud in their time of great need by giving them a snow machine. It's deus ex Cussler. That's what this movie was missing at the end, is Clive Cussler as the Nick Fury uh, to bring them all together (laughs) for the next movie. What what it's missing is Clive Cussler showing up to help them turn a crashed airplane into a wheel-based sailing ship to get them through the desert. Clive Cussler is the guy standing there holding a boombox playing Magic Carpet Ride. Movie Memory Machine is part of the Gruntwork Podcast Network. Stay tuned to this channel or join us on patreon.com slash gruntworkpodcast to be notified when the first episode is available. Follow us on social media at Movie Memory Machine. Movie Memory Machine, coming spring 2024. I'm I'm really I'm really uh-huh. glad that we went there. I I want to I want to I want to point out that now yep. now we're at 45 minutes on the clock already. So I think that was maybe I don't know. Uh-huh. I I I I I was cool that you called back on so many other seasons, but frankly, I I don't think we needed to be that in depth on on the what I think was ultimately not that revelatory of a change in calendar design. You just I there's no convincing you. Uh, you know, uh, well, look, that's that's true you, because you've you've proven it definitively by by what you what you just gave me and and the listeners I cannot as well. be more comprehensive than that. Yeah, no, you you really can't. You really can't. Are, is Big Calendar paying you? Are you are you in their pocket? <laughs> How many? Are, are, you, are people send, Are people sending you free calendars? Is that are they bribing you? How do you think I pay for this podcast? <laughs> Oh man, uh yes, brought to you by calendars.com. But you know, hey, you know, you know the calendar app on your phone? That is yeah. um you can listen to grunt work through that. Oh, well, Truman, we're getting into the big stuff now. Yes, finally. <laughs> we're pivoting. Uh, I mm-hmm. I I was dreading this when we started part 1. <laughs> but yeah. we're here now. The people, so- not the people. We're here now. It's the grunt work MVP debate, and this is for the entire series. Yes. Now, I want to just talk a little bit about the history of this debate. (laughs) The year was 1776. (laughs) (laughs) No, we, what I've found interesting, uh, going back and listening to our old spectaculars to prepare for this, um, we set out three criteria early on 
Mm-hmm. Uh, which were, does the character have an arc over the season? We're yeah. talking about the series now. Yeah. Um, do they have uh, the amount of memorable moments they have? Yeah. And would the show be the same without them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or the, the season be the same without them? Sure. Uh, those are historically the three categories we went with. Uh, I think by season seven, we just kind of went <laughs> with our gut. <laughs> we, were, we were getting tired. We were really <laughs> run down. Um, but in listening to those, I thought that criteria was interesting. And I, I, I want to revisit this debate a little bit differently than we've done it in the past. Okay. It's our last time. I and I, I want to go out on good vibes. Yeah. And I yeah. want I want this to be a celebration. Of course. So a very long I celebration. Would, what I would like to do instead of we're gonna we're gonna retire the elimination block. Mm-hmm. The, the sacrificial altar called the elimination block. Good. <laughs> and I think we should just run down the main cast and talk about what we've liked about them, what mm-hmm. they've contributed, and what the show would be like without them. Hit those three criteria, the memorable moments, um, and then just lead toward who we both pick for our choice for series MVP. Love it. Uh, and then we can debate based on our choices. That way I, I, we're not eliminating people, but we're 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 celebrating them the 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 elimination method not to not to stand here and and criticize one of your creations at the very end of our run the elimination method always did make me feel unnecessarily cruel to a lot of characters who i really love and actors who i really love so i like this we were very deferential to them though yeah well this is true this is true we are nothing if not deferential Uh, okay so so let's let's work our way through this cast you want to start all right i mean there's no small Parts only small actors, but would you want to start with the smallest part on the main cast? Let's start with Debbie Dunning. Yes. I think that Debbie Dunning is great. Should should we include Pamela Anderson in this que- uh, in this list? I mean, I I think I don't think so, both because like the the, the role of the tool girl is so small and so thankless yeah. and Lisa like they gave Debbie Dunning a few episodes that were about yeah. her. They never gave Lisa anything like that. She introduced the show a few times and and <laughs> occasionally had a line with it. She Al. came back for an episode. Okay, she came back for an episode, but that was mainly a Debbie Dunning episode. That was mainly yeah. about her emotional arc in, in that one. So, Well, and this is retreading old water, but, uh, you know, the they, they had conflicts that originated with Heidi, that ended up being Tim episodes or or other people's episodes. She gave fucking birth and it wasn't her. Her this, the episode where her husband's cheating on her isn't a Heidi episode. Tim Tim just up there hijacking every episode and making it a Tim episode. It doesn't matter yeah. where where it started out going. It's landing where he wants it to land. That said, um she does bring a quality to the show that no one else in the cast does. Mm-hmm. I I think that, I mean, the show could probably work without the tool girl character, but yes. she does contribute an energy that would be missing otherwise. I, no, I, I agree. And I think that within 
within the the broader statement that the the show does not give Debbie Dunning a lot to do in this role, within that, I, I within the role of woman whose role on the show is primarily being a sexy girl, I think that she gets a lot to do within that kind of bad framing in terms of just, you know, oh, she's really, like, she'll sometimes uh, take the lead on on tool time, like, talking about something, and then Tim and Al come in and are like, what, what the hell are you doing, yep. Heidi? Like, you know, just introduce us. Or how into the sock hop dancing she gets in that one episode. Like, She's those are, a those lot... are the moments I like, though. I mean, yeah, she she infuses it. Those are she has those memorable moments, but yeah, they're not they're not critical. I, I'm just what I'm saying is that I think that that I think that having those moments is at least at least they gave her that much. At least they gave mm-hmm. this sense that she's not just a mannequin. Like there, she has this layer of weirdness and kind of goofy strangeness underneath. Yeah, and so I, I think Debbie Dunning plays those really well. I think she plays that kind of. I, she has the kind of like chagrined look that she'll get when they call her out on this, or she gets uh, gets <laughs> caught being goofy or strange in a moment. Yeah. I think that she she plays that that well. So I want to give her snaps for that, even though I agree. I, I think that the show would not be irreparably harmed if she were not in this role, or if Heidi did not exist yeah. as a character. Well, here's where I do find her Heidi and Debbie Dunning inextricably linked together as a essential part of home improvement is its legacy. Yeah. For for better or worse, like when you she's repping she is repping home improvement at fan conventions. Yeah. When people think of <sighs> Much home like improvement, on the show. they think they think of tool time, they think of the tool girl. You know, yeah. like it's part of what the memory of home improvement. Yes. And she's carried that on her shoulders and it seems very gracefully. You know, she's still doing conventions. She still wears tool time t-shirts when she's doing it. Uh, like good for her, you know, doing that. I, I think you could be very cynical about it uh, to have had such a kind of small part on a show and then have that kind of define, you know what people remember you as not your talent not defining your talent and not defining what you can do but just that is the thing that people remember you as it could be irksome to a lot of people and she seems to take it with uh, a point of pride which is cool i think it's also funny that like her she is now kind of almost fulfilling uh heidi's destiny from the show where <laughs> heidi was the most Heidi was the aspect of tool time that everyone remembered. Heidi was very clearly the, yeah. at, at, at when they're at uh, events in person, it's always everyone wants Heidi's autograph. Everyone wants to right. talk to Heidi. So, I mean, <laughs> it, in, in that regard, I mean, great. She Heidi seems to come out of the show doing pretty well. So it's like, uh, I, I guess, I, I guess I'm glad that I hope that Debbie Dunning is living as, as charmed a life as Heidi wound up living. All right. So that that's Debbie Dunning. Uh, I, I, think we 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 celebrate her we send her off with a the grunt work salute yes um, which we're doing right now i'm on opposite sides of our microphones and you can totally see it in your mind's eye yes i'm trying i'm trying to think what uh the grunt work salute sound effect would be when we do that to debbie dunning (laughs) oh man i don't know if i'm folks if you if you heard a sound effect uh, you give extra thanks to your editor for this episode yeah. for looking one up. Tip your editor. Uh, I I hope it's just a a soundbite of me going. I'll never tell. Oh God, no, no, I'm not. It's not going to be that. 
because people would be so put off by it that they wouldn't keep <laughs> listening to the show to hear you do it now and understand but what that it's would, a bit. what else <laughs> what else is fitting that, that seems like exactly what the gruntwork brand is just off-putting okay so now we're talking about potential sound effects <laughs> this is a, yet another way we run into four parts <laughs> all right okay so let's move on to uh let's do the kids next what do you say yes let's do the kids um we'll starting... start with Taryn Taryn Noah Smith youngest Taren to Smith. oldest yes yep I I like, look I whenever I watch an older episode or really any episode I think about how I've been critical of Taryn Noah Smith's Taryn Smith's performance in the past and I just want to say I feel like a dick about it I'm sorry he's oh, really okay I mean I don't know like he's I, I don't I would say that I don't enjoy his performance as much as I enjoy Zachary Ty Bryan or, or Jonathan Taylor Thomas's, but he is really good at at being the little brother. He is really good at playing the the he, he plays his part in the family and in the stories that are told about them really, really well. Wow, I'm glad you're you're coming around. Can we start the show over so that you can we could be team marked together from yeah. episode one? I, I mean, I guess this is going to become a 200 part finale as we re-review every episode <laughs> so I can have a better take on Mark. But I I feel like yeah. I feel like you, you've been you know a long time Mark booster. Like how you know what mm-hmm. what are your feelings on him looking back? I mean, he like the the like Brad and Randy early on were older by mm-hmm. like two years, right? Yeah. I mean, they're they're I think each supposed to be a year in difference uh in age, the characters, but yeah, you know, uh Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Zachary Ty Bryan are only a month apart in real life. Um and so they have always felt more fully formed. Therefore mm-hmm. I think Mark has had a steeper cliff to climb. Um what impressed me early on in those first that first season when they're like, oh, okay, Mark is gonna be our you know poster child for the kids. Yeah. We're really gonna push that cute kid button. Is that he's never annoyingly precocious. He's mm-hmm. he's cute and can deliver a, a comedic line. Um, what you're saying of him being able to carry off the story, you know, flying sauces is a great yes. example of that. Yes. Where he believably carries the 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 conflict on his shoulders of my family are aliens and I can't trust them and yeah doing that at six years old mm-hmm. um and not being cloying you know like I I believe him and I I think that's one of the the successful things about all three boys uh especially Taryn Smith and Zachary Ty Bryan they cast two people who feel like real kids they never they, I never get the feeling from home improvement that oh the these kids sound like a bunch of people in their 30s and 40s which I, I feel <laughs> right. like a, a lot of a lot of shows where kids are really quippy and pithy it just sounds like it, it, it sounds like that but I feel like they deliver these things so naturally they play their parts so naturally that it yeah it, yeah it, it it always just sounds like these are cool kids now I you know I I have no criticisms of Taron Smith. Obviously, I, I've been a champion of him from the beginning. Uh, I he gets lost in those middle seasons. I mean, there's, he does. What is it? Season five. He <laughs> feels like he pops up in like the background of most episodes and has a line in like five episodes. Uh, I, I mean. I, I so, mean, he he gets lost in later ones too. As someone who reviewed a lot of of later season episodes for my uh, you know for my favorites, yeah. like 
I, I just just noticing verses in the early ones how yeah he shows up he has a line but then we are mainly focusing on Randy and Brad. Yeah, but we we've dubbed him the joke assassin. I've yeah. gone back and and listened to a few of our very early episode podcast episodes. Yeah, and before we even came up with the that moniker for him, we did say. Oh, he was so good with his one line. <laughs> so, uh, like, Mark has been the joke assassin from the beginning. And true. There, true. there's a lot of value in being the person who can come in, deliver a razor-sharp line to somebody's throat, and walk away. And not, not like, having anything right on him. Like, he, he yeah. literally emerges from the shadows makes his kill, and disappears, and takes none of the blame for what the episode is. <laughs> Agent 47 over here. Well, he's got... he And to be able to do that, to be able to deliver one killer line that brings the house down, and to do that at six years old or something yeah. like that, is, re- is really impressive. Randy gets his laughs at an early age in, different, in a different way, like the... Yeah. You know, it's a different kind of cuteness that they're both playing, but they both play it well. And and as you said, it's never cloying. Well, let's let's talk about Randy then. We're going yeah. to JTT. Um, second, we're just doing it in order of age. Uh, yeah. Middle child Randy um, really comes into his own as we talked about in the last episode uh, in season two. Yes, I mean we we see get s- some sense of it in the first season, but it's really once he's able to bounce off of tim and like be be the child who can outwit tim yeah that uh that jtt emerges yes and i it's it's hard to talk about this question of could someone else play this role is he indispensable Mm -hmm. in this role because it's like someone else could have played the middle child but i think that if they did Randy, the character would not, they, they wouldn't have written Randy the way that they did. I think that the way that yeah. Randy became the one who is constantly besting his father, you know, getting his dad's goat outsmarting Tim and also being the, the cool guy who everybody, every kid wants to be that I think only happened because they realized what they had with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like it's, the, that's such a great point. Uh, you know, I, I think to Joe somebody and Hayden yeah. Panicherry. Panicherry. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Or, or Panitaire, as as we uh, Anglos call him. Yeah, uh, where she's basically playing a Randy character, you know, kind of someone a little <laughs> more emotionally beyond her years, uh, but, you know, is she, able but, to kind of speak to Tim on his own level. Which is not very high, <laughs> and 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 look, I'm glad you mentioned that. That is the textbook definition, though, of kid who talks like a 35 year old. Yes, and and those but, every one of those lines clanging against your ear. But script aside, she had that natural talent that JTT did. Yes, where it wasn't cloying. So I can see would would if if we found her or, or someone like her, you know, at the you know. If that was if someone like her was cast as Randy, you know, at the beginning of the show, would they have been able to write the same character as Randy? I think I think even with someone like her, it couldn't. To your point, I think that Randy as a character emerges because of JTT, and JTT be, emerges because of 
the character that was being written for him. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's I, a it's a cycle that supports itself, and like that to me speaks to his natural talent. You know, yes. it's not just that he doesn't sound like a thirty year old that he, but he still can, you know, joke with the big dogs. Mm-hmm. That he can still pull off feeling like a child. Uh, that that's impo- like a very impossible mixture to to uh, try to manipulate and create on your own. It kind of just has to come naturally. Yes, I I think that kind of what happened with the show as as they realized what they had and as it was kind of the the writing reinforcing Jonathan Taylor Thomas's performance and Jonathan Taylor Thomas's performance informing the the writing. I, I feel like there there came a point when it was sort of like th- this kid could be the star of his own show. Like there could be mm-hmm. a rant like the show could be reimagined as Randy Taylor and here's his buds at school and oh he's got right. this dad who's a tool show host or whatever. But like it could and maybe like, that maybe that's how something like Boy Meets World came about. Because Ben Savage Yes. Is a little bit like a Randy ish character, maybe without quite so much as a, a little edginess to him, but Yeah. I, I think that no no I, I think I think absolutely it they could have been like he had the juice to anchor a boy meets world type show and they just didn't realize they had that until things were underway and then it was just mm-hmm. sort of like that I think that energy really propelled a lot of the scenes around the house I think that's part of what kind of makes him an indispensable cast member I I think that yeah I I mean I know that I'm also biased because he's my best friend but like. <laughs> I don't know. It, that 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 is what that is it, it's not just a matter of I, I mean going back and rewatching it and watching his performance, it's not just oh yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, that's just a weird thing that kids were into in the nineties when they were also into, you know, pogs and other stuff. It's like no, right. he, he his performance is genuinely great. This is I I understand why the whole nation fell in love with him. I understand why he became such a sensation so quickly. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's probably pointless to start to debate and and tear apart what the nuance of making that superstar, um, what goes into making that superstar, because I think a lot of what we're saying also applies to Zachary Ty Bryan. Yes. Um, there, it's not that something's missing. It's just that that for whatever reason, you know, it it played out differently. Maybe it just comes down to personality and how you can market certain characters. I, I don't know. But they clearly started, you know, Brad as a character was strong enough to anchor seasons two through three, yeah. to four even, of like, yeah. if there's going to be a child that has an episode, mm-hmm. it's going to be Brad. He's the oldest. He's the first person that's going to go through these things. Yeah. Uh, and never did he falter in in being able to carry that yeah and they did start as he started going through puberty they started writing like okay he's not we can't just write template child uh, child character anymore mm-hmm. let's start r- writing for Zachary Ty Brian's uh strengths and that's where we started to see you know Brad the dum dum with a heart of gold yes uh, start to emerge which was a great character that he played so well. Yeah. But to what you were saying of like, I I feel like that becomes equally essential in a completely different way mm-hmm. to the show that, that JTT was like, yeah, by, by season five, 
there couldn't have been another character, another actor playing Brad. Not I, yeah. not saying replacing him, but like if someone if there had been another actor from the beginning, it would just be a completely different character. They would have written exactly. for somebody else. And I they're, they're, the mixture of all these things together is what makes it essential. Like you maybe you could replace Tara Noah Smith early on with a different, you know, a cute child that can deliver, you know, comedic lines. But it's it's the mixture of him getting along with JTT and Zachary Ty Bryan, you know, having that chemistry of older brothers and, and that maybe not individually, but together they they form an essential chemistry. Well, and and yeah, and you can chalk some of that up to their chemistry together as actors and also but as the show goes on, you also chalk it up to the fact that on some level these three kids are brothers. They're at a young impressionable age and they're spending yeah. 40 or more hours a week, well probably I don't know. They're spending a lot a big chunk of their lives together, always just hanging out together cuz it's it's their job. Like I I think that um so it's at some point, yeah, you, the the actors become irreplaceable because they are they have this relationship with each other that you just don't get from kids on other shows because maybe they haven't spent that much time in in that sort of proximity. Yeah, well, you have anything else to say about Zachary Ty Bryan? The only other thing I'd say is just that he's he's been my biggest surprise watching this show. I think at about the yeah. same time that you identify, like it, at first it was just like, yeah, okay, yeah, he's the bad boy, he's the older one. I, right. I've seen this before. Any I could see anyone doing this, but yeah, season five, season six, he's aging up. He yeah, I, I was just so impressed at how much I enjoyed his performance, how really, really talented he is at playing that role and yeah. at selling it's kind of like he's thick, he's not dumb, he's a good person, but he's kind of an asshole, but it's okay. <laughs> like it, 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 he he is able to pull off the kind of thick-headed man who you still like a lot better than Tim Allen in in a lot of cases and hat goes off Someone that learning his how to be a man in society. I mean, we're kind of watching it happen in front of our eyes. It's, it's yeah. a pretty unique thing. Um I I I'm, I'm sure there are other shows that, you know, have had successful runs, I guess Full House, but I'm not as, you know, familiar with Full House at this point. Uh, of watching kids go from you know being literally toddlers to uh, you know by the t- eight years later eight seasons you see them grow into like actual people that exist in the world. <laughs> it's I I think yeah that is the real magic. Uh, uh, I think I used the word alchemy already, but fuck it. It's it's our last episode. That's the real alchemy of home improvement. Is that the whole show is about becoming a man and raising men and what it means mm-hmm. to be a man and you are watching three boys turn into men over the course of the show which <laughs> is you know uh that i mean talk about talk about uh being on theme talk about father time yeah. helping to sell your pitch <laughs> well um should we move on to talking about earl hinman <sighs> yes we should well no we should move on to talking about earl hindman <laughs> Which Why is how his name is pronounced. No, we have to change now, dog. All right. Dog. All right, it's, start it's back at the beginning. Oh, season gosh. one, episode one. It, it's, it's just an active. I, I, that is my biggest regret from the podcast is that for all these years, <laughs> we were just... It's like if there was, if there was a, a podcast about dinosaurs... 
Yeah. Hosted by paleontologists, but in every episode they pronounced it dinosaurs. <laughs> you just feel like, well, how so credible your, are that's these That's your people? biggest regret. <laughs> yes. That's not, not that I accidentally dropped the H-O, W-H-O-R-E word in the first episode of our show. Not that I make a Columbine joke in the third episode of our show. Oh, <laughs> man. that we've been mispronouncing Hindman. Uh, pro- pro- honestly, yeah, probably that. O- if only because I tend to be the one with a bigger track record of saying outlandish things uh, that um, I <laughs> that uh, I know there's probably t- twenty times as many for me over the whole show that will eventually come back to haunt me. Um, mm. Earl Hindman, I think Earl Hindman is great, uh, and I, I look. I we talked about this in the last episode. I want to just call it out again. When he okay. was cast on this show, playing the old man next door, 52 years old. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus, fuck, that's only 10 years from now. I know, me. I know. And it, it bothered <laughs> you when I mentioned it a few months ago as well. But it, it's just, it, it again, it makes you just think about what counts for old on television. And yeah. How that is, yeah. that is so much uh, so much younger than you would yeah. think. Jesus, yeah, you're right. Like the there's that meme going around of how old the Golden Girls were when yes. they were on the show. It's like, yeah. oh my god, yeah, our perception of age has changed drastically. Yeah, um, you actually no, yeah. wait, uh, no. I'm sorry, Landon. I, I did my I did my math wrong. Uh, he I think he was actually 49 when he was cast on Home Improvement. Oh, for fuck's sake, don't don't why why Truman? Why are you doing that to me? Uh, you know, you're saying what? he was cast. The age difference between you and me is the difference between me and him when he was yeah. cast on this show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck that. You know, Landon, being reminded about the passage of time kind of sucks. Maybe that's why you shouldn't berate me with calendar corners. Huh? <laughs> How about that? Earl Hindman, um, I think, does does a really good job with, uh, a, ro- with a role that is... He reverse engineers a character from a gag really well. Yeah, yes. Well, I don't know. I mean... The character's written on the page, too. Like, Sure. No, well, no credit for writers. None. Here's something we've never really broken apart and talked about. Okay. And now, now feels like a good time. Yeah. Could you have Wilson as the character we uh, – written on the page, the character written on the page of just the confidant to Tim, the world philosopher, you know, the, the, the elder, you know, wisdom giver – Mm-hmm. And have it be how how linked to the face gag does it makes the character work? Mm-hmm. Uh, like would you would we buy that that elder wisdom giver if it if the fence wasn't in his face or covering I, his face? I think we'd buy it, and I think it just wouldn't be as good in every like it it the concept of if it's just. Tim has a jack of all trades, all knowing neighbor who gives him lots of brainy advice. Like I don't it, think I'd buy it. I think I think I'd tell that character to go fuck himself. I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want. I, it would not be an enjoyable part of the show for me. You know, you're right. If you fuck, you know, that's a really good point. I think if you can see, if you can see this guy's whole face while he's pontificating about stuff. He's gonna look smug to you, but right. but it's like Home Improvement is showing you the perfect amount of his face that he doesn't look like a smug jackass. And I'm thinking, 
that maybe that, maybe the reason our podcast has had any listeners at all is because you can see none of our faces when we're pontificating. <laughs> we're like we're like the kid they're going to replace Wilson with. You see none of him. You know, when I go into my little uh uh three-dimensional brain pretzels, uh I I, I make faces like John Mayer playing the guitar. <laughs> so basically you should have a little fence to carry around that blocks your yeah. face like Wilson does in that curtain call. Um Well, no, now hold on. Now that really tells me something about what Earl Hindman is bringing a- as an actor brings to the role, whether or not it's something he's acting or not. We, I, I don't know that we can debate, but like the fact that we can only see his eyes yeah, and the fact that he has like very patient and compassionate eyes and, and a look to him help really sell the character uh, yeah, and and like he's he's not he's not saying all this philosophy to be smug. Uh, he's saying it in a coming from a genuine place of wanting to help his friend and neighbor. Yeah, and and it's it's a unique challenge for an actor to have to sell all of these emotions with half of your face. You ba- mm-hmm. basically all he's got is his eyes to be reacting to Tim or Jill telling him some pretty serious stuff about problems in their lives or or yeah. or or just to react with confusion to a thing Tim has said he's only got kind of eyebrows <laughs> to to really well, work it, with and his voice which yes. I don't want to underestimate as well no, you know no. I think about like Tim bringing a, a problem to him and you know how often we've heard like Wilson, you know, with one hand on the fence, watching Tim as he, you know, or listening and, and watching as Tim tells his problem. And then Wilson kind of taking his hand off the fence and maybe pacing a little bit going, well, Tim, that brings, you know, brings to mind. Uh, <laughs> like he, he's kind of he's not like, well, you know what, Tim, I got a, I, I think I got an answer for you. Like mm-hmm. there's this kind of softness and he, he's like, well, Tim, come on and let, go on this little journey with me and, and we'll, we'll discover, you know, the answer to your problem, you know, <laughs> through this metaphor. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like ASMR almost. <laughs> I, I still don't fully understand what ASMR is, but I, I, it, I'll, it, I'll, it, sure I'll go with it. Bob Ross just makes it feel like you're getting a scalp massage, I guess. I mean, Wilson, Okay. Wilson, within all of the chaos and explosions and insanity of home improvement, is this calming presence. His his slow cadence of speech, the low tones yeah. that he speaks in, are just naturally soothing. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as casting somebody else in this role, I'm not saying there's no one that can do it, but he is the, he is perfectly cast. It needs to be. It would need to be someone who has like they'd have to have a great voice. And they'd yeah. have to have the kind of, yeah, they'd ha- a great voice and a great face. So I guess the two <laughs> most important things for an actor. Well, no, I, I think because one of the bits of trivia from early on, we don't know who the actor was, but up until like two or three days before the pilot episode was shot, there was another actor cast in the role. Mm-hmm. And once he realized that he his face wouldn't be seen through the whole show, he's like, fuck that nonsense. Uh, I'm out. Like, what I think Earl Hindman brings to it is he is like there, there's a certain self-confidence as an actor to go, you know what? Let's go with this. Let's see what we can do with this. Uh, yeah. That there's there at no point 
in the entire series do you feel any kind of pushback on that? And yeah. I would say, you know, we watched the bloops at the end of episodes and like Earl Hindman seems like the most consummate professional of oh, everybody. Yeah. Like yeah. he's the Anna Gasteyer of the, you know, <laughs> of the, the Senate, you know, SNL cast or the Phil Hartman where they're the ones that never break. They're the mm-hmm. ones that are no, not just their lines, but everybody else's lines, even if they're not in the scene. Like, yeah. Th- yeah. That's what Earl Hindman seems to be. Uh, more than anyone else on this show. Yeah, I no, I I could I could not I could not agree more. He seems like because uh, also he had been he'd been making TV for so long. I mean, he'd been in movies yeah. certainly, but also he'd been on so Ryan's up. Hope for yep. a lot of episodes. I mean, he you know this is a guy who was just an old hand in the industry, and uh, yeah, even though he was only 49 at the time fuck off, fuck off. sorry I, i'm gonna he, he, it's i'm gonna be that age one day too it freaks me out <laughs> in twice as long as it'll take me um you know what i just to make one last comparison to him uh, of him is like he is one of those consummate professional house players like you want someone to you know knock out just a quality baseline on your album Mm-hmm. Call yeah. in this this you know house player been around forever or session player what are they called day players uh, se- I don't know se- session called. musician yeah yeah session that that's what he is to me yeah like, he just is working consistently because he's just so good at what he does and doesn't need the like credit for half of what he contributes yeah yeah no com- I completely agree completely agree well you know what we say. Okay, so that that gets us into the real meat of the family, though. Now, right? Uh, well, I mean, not necessarily, unless you're considering Richard Carn part of the family. Well, I mean, I would say that in many ways he is. Um, okay. I mean, I mean, I think I'm trying to think of anyone else who could play Al. I'm trying to think of what somebody else playing Al would we, look like. We touched on this very early on with the trivia about. You know, Al's slow of evolution in the first season. Evolution uh, is a joke I probably made at the time and I'm making again now. <laughs> after watching Wild Hogs and actually see, seeing Stephen Tobolowski against Tim Allen, I love Stephen Tobolowski, but not just not the Al that would have done this show justice. I, yeah, yeah, I I agree. There is a sort of. Would you say you agree? And we're in agreement. I, I, I think I think I would say that yes, because I think that Al is a very easy place for us to always be saying basically the same thing. <laughs> yes. What what Richard Carn does so well. Also, his performance is probably the most analyzed of all the performances on the show by us. By us, yes. I think that what he does so well is that he is able to be the recipient of put downs and abuse throughout the show. And never come off as a pathetic character, which is the thing that I think Stephen Tobolowsky, I mean, certainly yeah. in his role in Wild Hogs, I, I get it sort of there. I mean, it's it's unfair to compare the two. But I don't know. Richard Karn is someone who can both be the butt of all these jokes, but you still like and you are still yeah. rooting for and that... And he can show these flashes of confidence and brilliance. I'm thinking of him pulling off his flannel to reveal the special T-shirt. <laughs> Kicking his hammer out of his... Uh... And that's... What I've never been able to get a beat on with Richard Karn is, mm-hmm. like, 
he's a theater actor, just like Patricia Richardson. You know, yeah. he's bringing a lot of, you know, other stuff to this role. Um, he is an actual handyman in real life. What, yeah. But, you know, like, we've talked over the years of just the amount of little touches he brings to Al. I'm thinking when he's pantomiming playing baseball, and it's mm-hmm. so accurate. Yes. When he's, you know, kicking the hammer out of his uh, belt. When he's singing Pirates of Penance. Like, yeah. there are all these, like, wildly different things that, like, he couldn't have learned. Maybe he did, but it, it seems like he could, couldn't could and wouldn't have learned how to kick a hammer out of his belt for a, a non-moment on a Tool Time episode. Uh, like, he, he seems like he knew that somehow. I, and that's kind of the magic of him. I, I, I come at it from the opposite way, but find the same magic. I think that he did, like, the the singing, being able to sing Pirates of Penzance or, or these other bits, like, that That sure may be something he already knew how to do. I think that him kicking a hammer out of his tool belt and catching it, I think that that's Richard Karn working with his props, working with his costume. I think that's just something he did in his spare time for a while and then brought to the the show or the director said hey i got this thing that i think al would be able to do that i've learned how to do i think that's just him being a pro i i think that's him just being a guy who really likes who really enjoyed his part and was like what can i do to make this more fun what can i do that if i don't have that many lines what can i do to still you know pop on screen in this moment without without detracting from the scene that that's kind of what I was getting to is like he has all of these things rich in Richard Carnes' pocket that he can bring to the character of Al that I don't think any other actor could have. Yeah, it, it, it's such a diversified amount of things yes. that like I don't I don't know this is not a fair comparison but like there's that moment in Forty Year Old Virgin where yeah. you kind of get a montage of what. Steve Carell does in his free time and it's like singing karaoke and painting model, you know, uh, you know, Warhammer Soldiers. figurines and, 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 you know, learning all this stuff and watching movies like, and, and also him, him marching around his, uh, living room playing a euphonium, which, right. uh, as, as someone, and he also has a mystery science theater 3000 poster. So that, that hit really hard for me as a teenager watching that, who was in marching band and loved MST three K. Um. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I got off track. Which is to say, all of that stuff that he's he's able to bring to that role, like I don't think another actor could have brought to it. And yes, that is those little touches are what make Al Al. Yes, I, I I think so. I think I think that he, I think the strength of his performance is what made Al a part of the show. I mean, much in the same way that the writers learned to write to JTT. I think the writers Mm -hmm. kind of saw, oh yeah, the co-host on the tool show can be a bigger part of the show. Like the interplay between him and Tim is fun. We can do more with this and it's not just one-off bits. Yeah. I I said it last week. I just, I, you know, I want to, we're in a different episode now, so I I just want to reiterate it Uh, because it's, it's a very special talent and it's one that, I think separate comedians from people trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. And that is wearing costumes. Yes. <laughs> I've never seen another sitcom actor wear a costume like Richard Karn and know how to get the laughs out of it without 
trying to get laughs out of wearing a costume. Yeah. It is just like an S tier talent of his. You've really picked up that word since last week. Uh yeah, no, I mean I mean from the from the mouse costume to him in the cowboy outfit. Uh, he has a, Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He he it, it it comes from the sort of baseline of earnestness that he brings mm-hmm. to everything he does in that character, the guileless kind of just full-on commitment to everything that makes it so funny when he very seriously and stoically walks into a room wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I just, there's, he's a consummate professional. He just, he brings such an essential counterbalance to Tim's energy, hyper-masculine energy, like, and just, we, we haven't talked about it much, but like, being able to bring a sensitive perspective or an alternate yeah. masculine perspective to the show is 100%, 150% necessary to be able to tolerate Tim's brand of bullshit. Yes, yeah. This is something I had not realized was going to be present as much on the show going into it. Like, I knew that there was going to be some battle of the sexes gender politics stuff that hadn't aged well. What I didn't realize was that there was also going to be a character on the show like Al, who was frequently articulating 2020s kind of sensibilities (laughs) about all of these issues and just getting mocked and torn down by the other characters for it. And I think that Al does a really good job of representing ideas that were validated by history in a way that does not like it that feels sincere and doesn't feel yeah. like like they're they're just pandering or something like that it it, well, it it i think he he's the moral center of the show in a lot of cases it it's what we talked about a little bit maybe in part 1 which is there's a version of this show where that aspect of it isn't included at all sure and the fact that it's including it and making fun of it has often put us at a like, well, that's not okay, and we should be more open to listening to men talk about their feelings and cry and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, the version of the show where that doesn't exist and we are only given Tim's perspective on masculinity is a worse show. And uh, it's, it's one that we wouldn't have talked about. And I think that there is... It's often bastardized. But mm-hmm. I think the intention of presenting that viewpoint in counterpoint to Tim is their way of saying, yeah, Tim's point of view isn't always valid. Uh, that doesn't always – they don't stick the landing on that often. Yes. No, they, they don't. They don't. <laughs> but it's but, there, and, and there's evidence you know, that they were thinking about that. And and that Richard Karn, who at the time is mostly an unknown actor, I mean, doing a lot of work as an apartment complex handyman, I mean, the fact that he comes into this role and basically winds up being the counterpoint to a lot of the main theses of the show. Did you say feces? I, yes, I, I said theses, the plural of thesis, which does rhyme with doo-doo. Uh... <laughs> But I mean the the fact that the fact that he is that this relative nobody is there kind of challenging uh, Tim Allen's worldview, even though he's naturally losing to it every time on the mm-hmm. show, it is just pretty impressive that uh, that that's you know that that he's that he fills those shoes so well. Those well, flannel shoes. Uh, the, 
shall we talk about the other counterpoint to Tim? Yes, we Ms. shall. Patricia Richardson. Yeah, Miss Patricia Richardson. I Ms. I mean, Mrs. You you may have noticed, fans listening to the show, that we kind of like Patricia Richardson. <laughs> we think she's cool and good at her job. Um, she's the high priestess of gunt work, grunt work. Yeah, uh, of, of of gunt work. <laughs> she's That's the high version. She, <laughs> hosted by two guys named Gunther, probably. <laughs> Look, I I think that she does such a good job of 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 a lot. I've seen a lot of women play Tim Allen's wife lately. Watching all these movies. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and and if I didn't already have great appreciation for Patricia Richardson, uh, it is only been uh, it it only grows when you see what all the alternatives are. A lot of other women playing off of Tim, who is being basically the same guy. And with all of and this is to take nothing away from the many other actresses who played Tim Allen's wife, including yeah, the, Academy Award winner Jamie Lee Curtis. The the Ocean Eight. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> of movie that we're writing about them all yes all oh of my the, god all... and jamie lee curtis gets to be like the george clooney oh my oh, god hell we, gotta, yes. we gotta write this movie this is actually a good idea the best one we've had i but it it's not to take anything away from all of them in their performances but you put on any other tim allen movie you look at the woman he's married to and you're just like what the fuck are you doing with this idiot girl wash your face you know and you watch you watch patricia richardson with him and it's like uh-huh. okay I see what I see. I, I get what I get. What this thing is like, I can. See, it is clear to me that you both love this man and hate yeah. this man, and yeah. that and it is, you know, uh, that that you have accepted the burden of loving him because you love him that much. Like she makes it work using perhaps alchemy, starting a new, starting a new uh, uh, pretentious word at, at the very we, end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna announce our next show and it's called alchemy and it's just home improvement seen through al's eyes <laughs> chef's kiss perfect uh <laughs> lead into gold um she yeah uh, t- talk about patricia richardson for a minute so i can think of what i'm gonna say about her next okay i i, I how do i say this without being unfair or to to to, to mail in here I don't, I don't show, think he, he wouldn't extend you the same courtesy, so I think you should just go. This show works because of her. Yeah. And specifically, the first two seasons, you buy this as a family unit. You yep. buy this as a authentic married couple almost exclusively because of her performance. Preach. And I, I, this is just acknowledging and i think tim allen would even acknowledge this he he wasn't an actor he was no. a stand-up comedian entering yep. into a sitcom situation and was learning a lot of things along the way i mean he mm-hmm. brought a lot to it yeah but there's a sincerity was it you telling me that kiersey said that patricia richardson's one of the best sitcom laughers uh, yes yes the the best at at laughing at things As they, yeah the, yeah making it seem genuine yes yeah and that to, I, I think about those first couple seasons, those first two seasons, especially where, you know, Tim is fucking some shit up to go to the monster truck rally. Yeah. And, you know, there's just like a, a one off little exchange in the kitchen as he's entering or leaving to go to work or something. And 
she gets in a genuine laugh at something stupid he does or says uh, as she's, you know, peeling potatoes or some shit that they, you know, busy business they gave her early on. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's those little throwaway moments that go, oh, right, you actually enjoy Despite all the travails of being married to Tim the Toolman Taylor, you actually enjoy the marriage. And I, I, yeah. I see it and I believe it. And it, it comes down 100% to her. Yes. It is reminiscent of Sam and Diane on Cheers, uh, a show that you may remember that I like. Because, I mean, at the... One at, of three things Truman likes. One of one of the three things that I ever talk about. I, I My... my Brain is basically a Game Boy cartridge. There is not a whole lot of RAM on there. But um, I, Sam and Diane, I mean, the 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 whole sexual tension between them is basically predicated on on a, a guy routinely propositioning one of his employees, which is not cool. But the way that it, like, works and is fun is off of this sense that there are things she really likes about him. She is yeah. into him, but she doesn't know how she feels about it. Like, the... the it, the, something that on its face would be unappealing is really sold through someone giving you the sense that that there is this interplay there and that they enjoy this chase that they're engaged in. And I think the same thing kind of goes on with the way Patricia Richardson plays Jill. Just this sense well, that, 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 the, that the day-to-day managing the chaos of the kids and Tim and... Yeah, my husband works on his hot rod all the time, and we, you know, but we trade a couple of jokes when he's walking through the kitchen, and, like, that she enjoys the challenge of loving him, and that it is fun. That, that, the show could not happen without that. I would add to that, that when she does get mad at him, it it doesn't play like the typical sitcom wife, just like, I'm mad in order to make this episode work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She get when she gets upset with Tim, it comes from a place of I love you and you've hurt me. Yeah. And even in those moments, you know, as early as Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble had to get it in one last time. Yeah. Uh <laughs> it won't be the last. She she comes back to him at the end of that episode just like, I am hurt. Mm-hmm. I I am invested in this marriage and it this isn't just a trivi- trivial problem. You know that we need to resolve the status quo by the end of this episode. It's, you know, I I want this to work, and I need you to understand why this isn't working. Yeah, uh, there there's like intention behind it, and I don't yeah. know if that how much of that is the writing. I'm sure there's a lot of that on the writing, but it certainly comes down to how she plays those moments in in, in Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble, where she comes back. <laughs> it's amazing that we're talking so so sincerely and in such a heartfelt way about an episode with such a ridiculous name. Uh, <laughs> take that, Shakespeare. But I think that the way that she's playing it when she comes in, it, it's not just that she is you know is is upset and hurt, but like that she's almost scared by the enormity of her feelings about it. Like the fact that she's gone to the hotel with the boys, but then has come back. Because it's just, I, I couldn't be away, I'm really mad at you, but, like, she's almost, like, she, the, like, the sense of just fear about, like, is our relationship okay? Is this going all right? And it's yeah. giving this, both something for Tim Allen to work with and this, this moment where he can reassure her, but also it's, it's not just, it's not just, I'm mad at you, it's not just, I'm the hectoring wife, it's like, I have a lot invested in this thing and I need you to help show me that we're okay and we can continue to get through this. 
Yeah. And I, I, the, she's never, I think there, there's only one or two moments throughout the entire series where Jill has faltered. Yeah. Uh, and it has not been because of her. I think it was a moment of a writer contriving a, a scenario out of, you know, the dynamics of the characters to, to go, well, we need Tim to be in this situation. So, you know, let's, let's put Jill on a talk show and, and have her say something and Tim get upset about it. Like that feels like it's written out of step with the character and, and Patricia Richardson does all she can with it. So she has just been an all-star from episode one and has in my mind, never, never had a misstep on this show. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I mean, I, I think that even when they're, I think part of why episodes like Workshop Till You Drop, in which uh, she winds up basically acknowledging and accepting that she is too critical of Tim, and that's the, uh, an issue in their relationship, I I think that ev- she plays everything so authentically and so well and so believably on this show that that's part of why that episode bugged us so much was because it's <laughs> like it felt like that was something that was really happening and not yeah. just it, it, yeah it, we buy into everything the good and the bad when she plays it uh um, well and speaking of the good and the bad we're gonna move on to the, the ugly <laughs> the good the bad <laughs> and the ugly it's an npr tote oh um that's not fair. I, I don't want to go into talking no. about Tim Allen as the ugly. No, no. Tim, look, uh, this, this show this show could not happen with anybody else in the lead role but but Tim Period. Allen. I mean, that's, Period. that's obvious. I mean, the long and the short of it. I mean, it's not only just based on his comedy uh, and his, his point of view uh, early on, but, like, you, I don't think you could have had a Ted Danson step into this role, you know? No. And I, what I mean is like someone seasoned. Yeah. It, it kind of yeah. needed to be exactly Tim Allen, a fresh voice, but someone that wasn't 20 years old. That is a really good point. This, there's not really like, there wasn't an archetype for this character necessarily. And Tim kind of built it as he went. And the fact that he came into this as admittedly not an actor, as a stand-up who basically was learning to act on the go, mm-hmm. and who, as we've said, is good at acting, uh, seeing this kind of come together, this character come together almost by accident, and these, maybe by accident isn't giving him enough credit, but the fact that th- this is not a guy who is going through a normal actor's process. This is a guy who is like okay, I have a really successful stand-up act that that turned into a show, and now I've got to figure out what, you know, what character ties this all together. It, yeah. It's it's an impressive thing that he, he's built. And when it works, when when that character is cooking, it's I, he's really good at it, and I like the character of Tim the Toolman Taylor a whole lot when yeah. he is being the benevolent, dumb force of nature that I have talked about <laughs> so much in, in the yeah. last episode. Uh, yeah. Agreed. And uh, as far as the acting goes, I, I think that separates him a little bit and shows his natural talent. And I'll, I'll do that by a comparison. You take another stand-up comedian who had another successful TV show mm-hmm. who I think is a terrible actor. Yeah. D- and the show is a success because of it. Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, He's playing himself, which helps 
Seinfeld, obviously, and, you know, not that Seinfeld needs anyone to defend it, but, Sein, you know, Jerry Seinfeld couldn't play a character like Tim the Toolman Taylor no. of having emotional moments and, and grappling with, you know, the uh, early death of his father and, like, that, that shit just, I mean, it's a completely different show, but, like, I'm unveiling the hot rod, George. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but like, I I can't think of like Richard Lewis. You know, there there's I'm trying to think of other stand-up comedians of the time that would have grappled with something like this. And and I I mean, I mean, I can think I can think of another stand-up comedian from the '80s who could have jumped really well into that role, and that is, of course, Michael Keaton. But that's sort of an, a rare edge case situation. Also. Yeah. Yeah. God, I mean, I, what would this show have been with Michael Keaton? God, it, sorry. It, you just it, like got me thinking about that all of a sudden. It would have fucking ruled. It would have been un, just amazing. It would. I don't know if it would have been as successful. I think people like us would have really liked it. Um, oh, man. Michael Keaton as Tim the Tool Man and uh, instead of Wilson, a child whose face you never see. All right. Uh, all right. Listen, get the AI ready and start it from episode zero. We're going again and we're going to cast Michael Keaton. We're going to watch this with him instead of Tim Allen. Okay. Okay. That's that, that's Wait, that's wait, great. wait. Sorry. We're supposed to be celebrating Tim Allen here. Yeah. We're supposed to be celebrating Tim Allen. Also, I love that you just it, wait. So we're going to watch it. We, okay, when you said we're going to watch it with Michael Keaton, for a second I thought, wait, we're going to rewatch Home Improvement, but Michael Keaton's going to hang out with us? <laughs> I'm gonna, in. I'm in for gonna that. We're going to get AI to, to insert Michael Keaton to every episode, and then we're going to get Michael Keaton to sit down and watch it with us. Yeah, hey, well, listen, we we have it on good authority that he, that he wants to get nuts, so... <laughs> <laughs> Tim Allen, won't you? Tim Allen, Tim Allen, I will, I will. Uh, I, I think that it's just him. Yeah, watching him turn into an actor over the course of this series is interesting. It's interesting in the mm-hmm. same way it's interesting to watch the little boys turn into men. Watching Tim Allen become the Tim Allen that he is today through making this show, it, it's it's an it's an interesting process to see, and it's. You know, sometimes that leads us into places that we don't like, like season three, where we wish it had been someone else. I, I think probably the the biggest thing that I wish is just that there had been more, there had been more people who were able to kind of guide him in his performance, and that there had been more people to say no to him when things weren't working, and to channel him into the places that did work and the things that he did, because, you know, well, I, that's the biggest I thing I see is, is lack of, of editing, which as someone who's on hour seven of the finale of his podcast cannot talk about. <laughs> I mean, we've laid a lot of things at the feet of Tim Allen, some rightly so. I don't, I just want to be careful about speculating what's his fault and what's not his fault. Some mm-hmm. things seem like his fault. I, I, who's to say, you know, and, even, even at its worst, it, was a successful TV show and you can't take that away from him. No, of course. Um, and also also people around him not giving him honest feedback or not reining him in. That's not on him. I think that every successful actor like it's their job to put stuff out there and then it's and then it's on the people around him to help mold that the, the director and everyone else to mold that into a performance. So I'm not suggesting that's yeah. his failing. Well, I know, but, like, even in the depths of season three or some of the worst episodes that we have here, like, there's an entire system in play of lots of people contributing to it. And 
while he might be the executive producer and it's based on his stand-up, we can't definitively say that the the worst of the show started with him. No, no, no. So, you know, like, I, I just want to acknowledge that there's so much that goes into this, and I, I do feel often like we're a little unfair to him. Um, you know, I, so you're going to turn it around but, now? Last episode? Well, no, I, I mean, our, our experience, our feelings are what we feel and experience. Um, I, I just, I, I feel like often it's like, we don't know where to direct those thoughts. And mm-hmm. we often throw them as darts at Tim Allen. Uh, and I, I, I don't, we wouldn't be here without him. No, uh, you know, I, I've thought a lot about what you said uh, in a previous episode of like, uh, I think it was part one of this where I was kind of going over <laughs> in my mind, like years. <laughs> where I am in my personal life in thinking about masculinity because of this show, because of him. Yeah. And while it might not have been, as you said, the lesson he wanted us to take away. Yeah. Like I, I still can't uncredit him without setting me on that path. Yeah. So, um, the the show wouldn't be the same without him. I I I don't feel like there would be a show without him. No, you know we are we are here because of him for good, bad, ill, uh, good. Uh, it's a good twice. But, yeah, yeah, I know. But, but just start the cycle again. Bad, ill, yeah. good, bad, start ill. Start episode one up. Here we go. <laughs> uh, well, this yeah, this is this is part this is part three. This is ill. Um, <laughs> I I think that this I, is the ugly. I. <laughs> Tim Allen, um, I think, is a fascinating actor. And I honestly, as much as we haven't enjoyed watching so many of his movies, I have also enjoyed watching his movies because yeah. it's it's interesting seeing how his performance differs from one thing to the next, seeing where he's at his best, seeing where he is perhaps not at his best. One of one of my friends was talking to me about the podcast and, and it ending recently, and he asked, just I don't know, like, he, he just said to me at the end of this, like, so I bet, like, if if you had the chance to meet Tim Allen, you just wouldn't want to do it. Right. Like, and, and I, and I said, no, honestly, having done the podcast, if I had the opportunity to have dinner with Tim Allen, I, I, that, I, that would be, I would be so fascinated. I would have so many questions to ask him separate from any of the political persona stuff, just questions about his acting and about his career and choices that he's made. Not, not forgiving anything that we've heard about him or excusing anything, but I think he is a very deep, an interesting person and a, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I, I am really watching the work that he's done and watching the arc of his career and considering it on this podcast has been a really informative experience and a really interesting and rich experience. So I, I don't begrudge him that. I second that. And I, I, I would add that he, this could be, boring you know like that that's a word of fate worse than death to me is like this could have just been boring tim allen could have been a boring person with a boring outlook on life yeah but while i don't always agree and often disagree with with what he's putting down there is a philosophy behind it it's not just you know whatever somebody thinks as comedy for comedy's sake mm-hmm. you know there is a point of view and it is grounded by what somebody believes in whether that be masculinity or just you know our our place you know humans place in the universe like you can tell he is 
coming at everything he does with something behind it. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's why I, I, I ultimately end up hating things like Zoom, where I'm like, this is just such a manufactured item mm-hmm. that it takes away the the few fascinating things that I find about Tim Allen. Yeah. It's it's purely just brand management and mm-hmm. I it, it makes me kind of sick to my stomach. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's when I I can't I can't grapple with Tim Allen. It's yeah. When I get the 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 stuff that I don't like stripped away of the stuff that I find fascinating. Yeah. Which is why I think explains crazy on the outside and our, our kind of placement of that in our pantheon of um, stuff we covered in that it's arguably one of the worst movies we've covered, but yes, it, there is still something fascinating to it. I, yeah. It's, um, it is, it is a Rosetta stone for this man who we have thought about for so long. It It is, it is an invaluable insight but it's yeah. one that takes something from you <laughs> every time you look through it. <laughs> uh, and I, I just, I don't think this is the second time in my life where I have been inexplicably, inextricably linked <laughs> to a celebrity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not, not one-to-one, obviously we've never met Tim Allen, blah, 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 but like, but we're open to it, my Tim. name. A, a celebrity pops up and and I don't like that and that's not healthy I I don't think and I think he would say the same thing of like you're you know I often feel like a leech to a degree like mm-hmm. we are making a name for ourselves by commentating on what somebody is doing and creating like I can't take that away from him you know he is creating new stuff and putting it out in the world and we're commenting on it and yeah, you know, we're, we're turning, we're creating our own thing. I think, uh, no, we're definitely same time. That's at the core of it. And that feels weird often. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird to just tie yourself that tightly to any one person or any, any one thing. And then be sort of (laughs) through, through thick and thin, through stormy waters of, of ill-considered tweets and revelations (laughs) from actresses who worked with him in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so I I don't know. I where where do we land on Tim Allen? I I think you and I ha- differ a little bit. We there's a lot of overlap in our opinion, but <laughs> I I think I'm not as willing to lay as much at his feet as you are and I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um but uh you know, here we are. 7 years later, we we've never wanted for content Tim Allen content to talk about. No. <laughs> No, we've we've in fact wanted less. We could have we could have figured out who Cletus Tout was, but you were like, no, that's enough. We've done enough of these. <laughs> I think that's going to be that that my biggest my two biggest regrets are mispronouncing Earl Hindman's name for seven years and not watching who is Cletus Tout. Hey, you know what? I didn't make the top two with uh, my calendar content and your regrets, and uh, you know what? That's a win for me. Okay, that's good. That's good. I'm glad we can all get something out of this. So, all right. Uh, We've right. covered everyone. Let's put our selections for the uh, the our pick for the series MVP on the table. I of have course. mine. I I think you have yours. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I've had mine for a while. I will give you the honor of choosing whether to go first or second. I I want you to go first. I want to hear what yours is. I don't need to give any more explanation. Uh, I think we covered it all. Uh, my choice. And I don't think it'll be too surprising. Uh, is Patricia Richardson? We agree. 
we're in agreement, handshake, segment, over with, and done. I, I th- there just simply isn't a show without her. Agreed. Yeah. You cast anyone else in that role, and Jill becomes a thankless character, and uh, the show just doesn't succeed. The, it, it needs that counterbalance to Tim. Uh, not 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 even the counterbalance, but it, it needs the support uh, that the Tim character needs to make the show not not only work but like magical. You you need you need the counterbalance to Tim so that you're not actively worried about the welfare of the three children living in a house <laughs> with a man who blows things marriage. up all the time. I mean that too. Yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> It's just there needs to be somebody there who who viewers can look at and be like, oh, okay, this guy's a clown, but so someone else is making sure that everybody gets fed. <laughs> yeah, even if they don't uh, appreciate her cooking. No, no, they they might complain the whole time, but hey, you know what? She, much as Tim Allen has given us uh, culture to uh, commentate on, she is giving them uh, something upon which to chew. Um, yeah, no, it's it it's it's just the show the show would have been canceled pretty quick it would have made this it would have made it 13 episodes it would have been the tortellis uh were it not for patricia richardson uh yeah so there we go we don't even need to debate we don't need to eliminate anyone here we are just basking in the high priestess of grunt work patricia richardson our series mvp ma'am we we salute you we applaud you We've exchanged a couple of Instagram <laughs> messages with you in the past, and it was really cool that you even talked to us. Um, this brings us to our People's Choice Series MVP. Yes. I you, have... You... We we missed this for Season 8, uh, because Twitter turned to X, and then we turned our back on X and Twitter and Elon Musk uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> writ yep. large. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of shook things up, and we were in the middle of getting our uh, uh, show back on the air after a, a disruption. That keep, keep suffices to say. Keep making excuses. The real reason is we just don't care what you guys think. Yeah, that's <laughs> That's right. not true, even a little bit. Uh, but you know what? In the interim, from season seven to now, uh, we I think our, our listenership has like doubled or tripled, because, and, and maybe that's because... Uh, you can actually watch Home Improvement on the streamers now. Helps a lot, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we we got a massive turnout for this uh, poll. I, I, I did this over a couple of different platforms and then yeah. compiled all of the numbers together. How do we know that people weren't double voting? Were there, were there like 4,000 mules or something? Were ballots being harvested, <laughs> Landon? <laughs> Was anybody stopping the steal, or were we just letting the steal happen? I I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just suddenly curious. I'll never tell. Okay, now how do you want me to go through these numbers? It's even worse do you want you me to lose the juice for it halfway through your coquette voice? <laughs> do you want me to... Do you want me to reveal the the the... The people by the amount of votes they got. Would that be an interesting way to go about it? First, tell me the total number of votes received. Like, just to, how many people oh, Jesus voted? Christ. Do do you not know? Uh, okay, if you don't know that, then don't tell me that. I don't care. You know, here, I know I could do it in two seconds if you can cover for me. Uh, okay, by talking. I'll never tell is something that Landon started saying. I think only in season six. And uh, is is it a fan favorite bit that we've done? Probably not. We haven't put out a poll on that. Um, 
I don't know. Also, 71 votes. Totally. 71 votes. Okay, that's impressive. That's that's honestly more engagement than I would have thought. Okay, so and that's just like over our Discord uh and over Instagram. So great. like uh, that's a very small overlap with our, our general listening audience. Yeah, we, we disenfranchised everyone on Twitter, but honestly, if you've been <laughs> on Twitter, those people shouldn't be allowed to vote. Uh, okay, so yeah, how, how, how did people come in? T- tell, us, uh, tell us about the vote totals. So you want me to go from lowest to highest? Lowest to highest. Okay. I, I, I don't know how else to do this. this. This is a big surprise. I was hoping to do this maybe midway through the, the MVP, but we'll just start on a surprise. Okay. Why not? Why with not? the the person with the least amount of votes, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have you guess. Actually, uh, the vote he this per this this actor actress only got one vote. Okay, um, who do you think it is? Oh god! Well, now because I'm expecting it to be someone completely unexpected. Is it Richard Karn? Uh, final answer. Sure. Yeah. Final answer. It's Earl Hindman. Oh, brutal, brutal to Wilson. Guys, what? Three rounds of voting. Wow. Only one vote amongst them. Wow. I mean, well, th- thank you to whoever that one voter is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I actually, I can't. I guess I can't judge. I mean, it, depending on where the rest of the votes went, that's a that's that's rough on that's rough on on Earl Hindman though, sir. We apologize. Yeah. I think he was season five, maybe six. Uh, grunt work MVP. So yeah, I, I would expect that, it, that to at least get him more than one vote. Well, in this in this new hyper polarized political landscape, endorsements just don't carry as much weight with the voters anymore. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Um, okay, moving on to our next uh, cast member with two votes. You want to guess who this is? Uh, no, I don't want to guess who this is. Just tell me who it is. Taryn Noah Smith. Not fully surprised i would have expected him at 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 the lower end of the spectrum again not trying to diss on him i'm just looking at who yeah, made the biggest splash with uh with viewers um okay okay i mean i i'm happy he got two someone yeah. out there besides me <laughs> thinks Did, and you and you voted so you're saying one other person you voted and then the other person voted and that was that uh, you know what truman I'll never tell. There you go. Is white? What is that? What it normally sounds like? <laughs> Number uh, the next one is with uh, only three votes, mm-hmm. so barely edging out Taryn Noah Smith, Debbie Dunning. Okay. What? <laughs> still, still, the, but like her uh, Heidi's popularity eclipsing that of everyone else on the show continues. The fact that that she she places <laughs> higher than Wilson and and uh, Tara Noah Smith, who are both in every episode. Okay. Yeah, but and each of them only beat each other out by one vote. So yeah. that that's impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, coming in next with five votes, mm-hmm. Zachary Ty Bryan. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I, uh, I mean, we know you disagree with that because he, he's been your boy for a couple of uh, seasons. He's been my boy, but I also I'm looking at who's who's beating him out, and it's like, well, okay, now we're kind of getting into difficult territory. Who's next? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna make you guess the last four. Uh, okay. So then I imagine I'll I'll give you the amount of votes each got, but okay. uh, you have to yeah. tell me who you think they are. Okay. Coming in with seven votes, who do you think uh, comes in? 
seven votes then is that um that's Richard Karn. That is Richard Karn. Okay. Correct. Okay. Richard Karn playing Al Borland on the TV show Home Improvement. Wait, that's who he played? Fuck. <laughs> Started over. Started at one. I thought he was I thought it was Tim the whole time. <laughs> Um, moving up, uh, so we went from three votes to five votes with Zach mm-hmm. and Ty Bryan, five votes to seven votes with Richard Karn, and from seven votes to ten votes, our number three spot, our bronze medalist, is... Uh, JTT? It's Tim Allen. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> or, oh, yes, even. Okay, uh, th- all right, who's next, then? Who's, who's in the number two spot? Okay, moving from 10 votes to 14 votes. Who do you think we have? Uh is that is that Patricia Richardson? That is JTT. Oh shit. At number 2, our oh. silver silver medalist JTT Jonathan Taylor Thomas, 14 votes. I'm trying to do math in my head now and figure out how many votes are still out there. This is like Eurovision where like one one country just kind of tears away with it. It's like watching <laughs> Ukraine a couple years ago. All right. So, uh, in our first place, uh, you don't even have to guess, by process of elimination, it's Patricia Richardson, uh, which means our listeners are finally, by the end of this uh, show that we've done, Mm -hmm. agree and are in agreement with us. Folks. (laughs) Synergy has been accomplished. we've, We've made you like us. We have brainwashed you enough that you think the way we think now. You're welcome. But here's the thing. Here, here's here's the added little icing on the top of the cake. We also need the number. JTT comes in with 14 votes. Yeah. What's twice 14? 28. And add one. <laughs> okay, you're asking me to do a lot of math here. 29 votes? More than doubling the second place wow. uh, person. Wow. Patricia Richardson comes in with an undisputable landslide victory as the people's choice MVP <sighs> electoral juggernaut Patricia Richardson give it up everybody give it up this is amazing you cannot you cannot argue what the people people vote as that's a sentence I tried to construct and failed miserably at I, yeah yeah I mean I I can't even really joke about it because I'm not sure how to parse your meaning there but uh, the the people the people have spoken. Now it's not just us podcast hosting elites. It's also the people who yeah. listen to the podcast, um, confirming yeah. it. She is the, she is the 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 populist uh, choice, um, without a doubt. I mean, I, well, I don't even know where we go from here. I just feel I feel so <laughs> I feel so at one with the whole with the whole of the podcast. I agree. This is uh, I. I feel I. I've got the warm and fuzzies. Like we're yeah. all on the same page. And when we talked a little bit about how do we reset the home improvement legacy moving forward, what is it that we want to impart people with? I, I think that people who've listened to grunt work and who have in, voted on this poll, we're all kind of slowly acknowledging. Yeah, going forward, watching home improvement, we have to acknowledge the support around the concept of the show. Mm-hmm. We have to, you know, acknowledge Patricia Richardson and we have to acknowledge Richard Karn and JTT. And, uh, you know, that, that is what is going to be Gruntwork's legacy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think JTT was mighty popular on his own with or without us. And 
likewise, Patricia Richardson was on the cover of TV Guide a few times. I, uh-huh, I mean, uh-huh. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to immediately kick the legs out from under your argument. I just don't want anyone to think that, like these. These folks were all appreciated in their time. I'm just, I, yeah. you know, I think it's important to. I think, yeah, the greatest legacy of this show is the uh, the people who who lifted it up on their shoulders and the strongest, mightiest shoulders of them all belong to Miss Patricia Richardson. <laughs> I was trying to make the listeners feel like they, they're enacting change in the world. I mean, it, guys, if you want to do that, go go vote in, in an actual poll this November and <laughs> vote for the person every with November. a D next to their name. Yes, even, even November in off year. Well, actually, you might have local elections then. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, great. Now, now we're enacting social change. Um, well, I I mean, I think the next big piece of social change that we owe people is Mm -hmm. talking about the main thing that we do on this podcast. Wow. I've been dragging my feet a little bit on this one because this feels like the last thing that we do on grunt work. It's, it's the first thing we did and it's been seven years bringing this to fruition we're going to talk about the series Grunt Count. Yep. This is the whole thing that we set out to do. And we'll talk about it next week in part four. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I mean, do I, do, should I just smack everybody in the face with the total Grunt Count? No, who I want to I wanna guess. I, I do want to guess. Oh, you need to guess, of course. Our, our thing. The thing but, we've always been doing? Yeah, okay. You know, let's let's edge our way towards it a little bit further. Why not? We're already here. Uh, I want to. So we usually ask a couple questions, and I, I I'm not gonna ask you number questions. I it's, these are more quantive, uh, not quantifiable, uh, quali- qualitative. Sure. Answers. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you think of grunting now, and, and in relation to home improvement, what is what is what do you think grunting means to home improvement? I, I think, I think when I think of grunting now, I think of it as, Oh, that's the thing that normies think home improvement is about. <laughs> like only the, only the real OGs know that Normie. grunting actually stopped being a thing on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but I mean, it, it was there till the end. I mean, much lesser, but like, yeah, what, how do you think it's changed from the beginning to the end and like it's it's uh part that it had to play on the show i i just think that as as tim allen got better at acting and fleshed out the character of tim the grunting just declines if you look at the totals from season to see in yeah. season one he grunted 359 times well let me write this down for my guessing okay go yeah ahead. yeah get, get yeah get that written down i'm just saying that is that is more than i think the the last four seasons of the show combined he <laughs> i i just think that as his character got more nuance and he figured out more ways to play tim and more things to do yeah. with it it was sort of it was sort of a crutch that I don't know if crutch is the right word. Grunting kind of summed up this whole masculine character and idea of masculinity that he put forth. And then I think as the show went on longer, he was able to articulate that better through other stuff. Or if not better, then at least he found other ways he wanted to articulate that. And the grunting kind of got thrown aside. He, as Patricia Richardson, 
as Patricia Richardson said in an interview around the time, he got <laughs> tired of grunting in the later seasons and just quit doing it. Yeah. What? What is yeah. it? Yeah. What does it mean to you? Well, I, I don't. I mean, you're you're the grunt expert here. I, I mean, the Grexpert. <laughs> Um, that's what it's called i I love your coverage of the grexit yeah (laughs) that well the grexit is actually what i called it when tim decided to quit grunting as much on the show yeah (laughs) um yeah the it felt like when he grunted more in the later seasons it, it had more reason to be there it wasn't just reactionary and like a shortcut to you know the it almost felt like early on it was a little bit of a gimmick, which I think the critics kind of hurled at the show. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of those kind of annoying bazinga catchphrases. Yeah. But uh, but one but one that is very difficult to spell, so it never really goes well on a T-shirt. <laughs> Yet it's one letter <laughs> repeated. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't mean anything to me. I I think I could, the show would have been exactly the same with or without the grunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could take it or leave it. Um, I'm just here to support you and your mission to count all of them. Uh, the, what I want to ask you though, and I'm trying to think of my own answer as I'm going to ask the question is what are some of the memorable moments with grunting? And and do you have a favorite kind of grunt that Tim would do? I mean, God, my favorite, favorite kind of grunting. I mean, I, there's, there's the, like the cocky. Yeah. That's one of my least favorite. There's I, the like, the when he realizes he f- he's fucked up. <laughs> oh I, oh no! Oh. I I I think the one that I like most is the confused one, which he usually delivers Ooh. to Wilson. Yeah, where it's yeah. it's him him turning around with a shocked look on his face. I think that is yeah. my favorite kind. I'm I'm sorry. The first grunt that that I think of the most memorable one is not a good one, but it's I think the first man's whatever episode i don't know if this is the Uh man's kitchen or whatever but he you know he introduces the concept we're going to talk about the man's whatever this is and then he and al walk onto the new set the crowd is going wild and he is so jazzed on it he just goes "Ah, ah, 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 ah." oh yeah 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 and it's i don't know (laughs) because that's as i said at the time in the episode about it that's just him at the at the height of his powers it's like look what i did like that is that is coming straight from his soul that is his id yeah. and it may it it's it's uncomfortable it's like that's i think it may have been a season 3 episode this isn't a grunt at all but if you were to able if you were able to put grunting into dialogue uh i i'll never forget your <laughs> how how incensed and offended you were by him uh i think it was season one growing pains when he yells the word groin in mark's face (laughs) (laughs) i hurt my groin yeah yeah i do yeah boy for for whatever you can say about me being mean to mark i also really uh felt for him in that moment and did not did not want him to get that um yeah all right yeah uh, that that's the most memorable grunt for me, and it's not even one that I liked. Otherwise, the grunting largely faded into the background, and as it got yep. rarer, it just became like an electrical shock to jolt me out of whatever I was doing <laughs> on the show and be like, "Oh, I've got to take note of that grunt." So, uh, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Me for me, the most memorable grunts 
uh, is when they were grunting jingle bells and halfway through Tim is like grunting is my thing and the fact that everyone else is doing it makes me realize how stupid it is and I don't want to continue grunting this song with everyone that's that was the moment when he really decided not to, to grunt anymore it came it came early though yeah yeah um okay great well then let's move on to some numbers uh yes. we're talking about the series grunt count all eight seasons Joined together, one kind of society shunting blob of numbers and grunts. Society shunting? Why is it shunting that, society? Shunting is a thing that happens in the movie Society. Uh, if you don't know the reference, I'm, I'm not going to spell it out for you, but just beware if you're if you're going to go explore that one There's on your a own. A movie called Society. Wow, the Joker must love it. Um. <laughs> I, I want to point out also something that, that has been added up in this total as well. Uh, we we yeah. posited this in, a, in another episode, and I went ahead and finally yeah. did it. I also went oh. through every iteration of the opening credits and counted up oh. the number of grunts in, in each one and added— Which is three iterations, right? Uh, there's, there was slightly—okay, there was slightly different— opening credits between season one and season two seasons four okay. through six had the same opening credits and then okay. season seven and eight i counted separately because uh season eight removes uh it removes G-G-T. jonathan taylor thomas and they put it, it changes name to taron smith and i'm like it's different enough so that that okay. adds a, a you know a rounding adds, errors worth of grunts that adds 12 additional grunts because there's three grunts in the theme song Oh. And that's four theme songs you're covering. There, you know, uh, well, it's one, two, three, four, five iterations of the theme song I'm oh, covering. Five. Okay, and so also, 15. season one and season two, I, I count four grunts in that opening credits. There was really? a very soft grunt at the beginning. It becomes oh. more pronounced yeah. at the end, in, in the latter yep. seasons where it starts. With, but yeah, it's like there's a soft one in it. soft grunt. And then three grunts in the main thing. But then through season he four kinda to the like, end... It's kind of like a, a a jazz musician sitting in and hearing the horns for the first time and just kind of like giving an acknowledgement of, oh, yeah, we're about to make oh. some music. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that grunt. Yeah. Wow. In in okay, the so. in the later seasons, they they dial up the initial grunt. That's the first thing that you hear. And then there's two grunts in the rest of the of the opening credits. So eight plus nine is 17 grunts total okay mm, jesus mm-hmm. an yeah. additional 17 grunts that yeah. would have thrown off my guess i'm not gonna lie i'm glad i'm we glad went through that i'm i bet everyone is <laughs> this is the work that we've been doing for seven years yeah uh, i took Over me seven years to add up all of those uh all of those numbers uh okay what, what do you what do you got what do you think I, this is gonna sound so stupid because I have the information at my fingertips. I could I could just cheat and get you the number, and yet I don't have it right in front of me, and I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. So respect our integrity. I'm gonna say we're less than two thousand. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna th- I'm gonna say we're in the seventeen hundreds. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go low 1700s. I'm going to say we're 1721 is my final answer. Okay. Okay. Final answer. 1721. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. Very wrong. I'm so sorry. Did you pause to put like a drum roll in there? I I, I paused (laughs) because I was trying to think if I wanted to make a buzzer noise or not. And I decided, no, I didn't. Um, Okay. 
the number of grunts that, uh, across every episode of Home Improvement and reminding uh-huh. you that grunts, I'm not counting when Tim talks like this. That doesn't count. Yeah. I'm only counting. What about oh. when other characters talk? Yeah, or yeah, and uh, yeah, not not when other characters grunt either. It's only Tim grunts. I swear to God, people. Uh, the total number of grunts by Tim Allen across the TV mm. series Home Improvement. If you say seventeen twenty two, I'm gonna throw <laughs> this table out the window. That would be, I might I might say it just to I'm trying to think which window <laughs> in the house is big enough to fit the table out it. Uh, One thousand two hundred fourteen. Whoa. One thousand. Could I be five hundred off? I'm wondering the same thing, Landon. You had you, Mr. Policeman. I gave you all the clues. You did give me all the clues. God damn you, melting snowman. 1,214 grunts. That is the number of times so that Tim Allen grunts. So without the theme song, we would have been in the 1,100s. Yep, 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 yep. Yep, that's very true. We would be in the 1,100s. Uh, wow. I want to give you a breakdown of the numbers across the seasons. A lot of these Please. are numbers that yes. you may have heard before from previous ones. Season one. Bring it to me. 359 grunts in the first season. Uh, okay. Season two. Season two, they look you on right away. They look back at this show and how the main criticism leveled at it was too much grunting. It's all dumb, and they were like, "Fuck you!" Yeah. Three hundred and sixty-seven grunts. They went up by eight. <laughs> uh, and that, to be fair, that was when the Christmas episode had seventy-seven grunts. That was that was they really loaded us up. Uh, and then almost as if Tim came out of that saying, "Fuck this." Uh, season three, one hundred and eighty-two grunts chopped almost in half. Season four, wow. 90 grunts, again, chopped in half. Season five, wow. 68 grunts. Uh, Jeez. Season six, 38 grunts. Again, just half-lifing every, the, every season. Just slicing it in half. Uh, season seven brought us the first year-over-year grunt count increase since season two when we went up to 47 grunts, nine more than okay. season six. And then season eight, Sliding in forty six grunts, the wow, just and, under the under the number, and and the and the last thing that we hear on the show is as they as the house is towed away on a barge, followed by the grunt creep, is Tim going ah ah ah. So those last three grunts finish out the show for our wow. total of one thousand two hundred and fourteen grunts on home improvement ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for your time uh if you'd please take any uh trash or anything that you brought in with you uh we do not validate parking uh well listen i'm gonna ask for a gpe but oh yeah this has to have a couple asterisks next to it because with a precipitous drop-off like that you're it's it's you can't expect to have whatever the gpe is if you put on a random episode the, the the GPE is a com- I have it calculated. It's a completely meaningless number. It is in no way representative yeah. of of okay. what your average home improvement episode looks like, grunt wise okay. or sounds like. Okay. For that matter. Well, hit me with it. It's uh, okay. In the average episode of Home Improvement, five point nine eight grunts. Your uh, that's well, I don't know how how absolutely meaningless that is because I'll tell you why. I'll tell okay. you why. There are a lot of episodes where there are zero grunts. Yes. Well documented that. But if you were to get an episode with grunts, you would likely get about five grunts. Yeah, five or six if he goes two times, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I it's so I don't I don't think that's completely 
like taking zero out of the zero episodes out of the equation, if you're going to get a grunting episode, I, I think that's a pretty valid number. I guess. Yeah, I probably could have axed all of these zero grunt episodes and maybe axed that one Christmas episode where they grunt a Christmas carol at you to bring the number down into a more a more applicable level. But then I started to question, what is this number being applied to? Who cares that much about the granularity? It's already kind of nuts that we've done this. Uh, yeah, I, I guess you're right. That is representative of, in a grunty episode, the amount that you're going to get. So to me, that that tells a story. It look the the the, it does tell a story. the The data of grunt numbers going down by half season to season after season (laughs) two that is an interesting story. And finally, just kind of leveling out in the mid forties, and like that is the that is about the amount of of grunting that the market will bear. Um. It's um uh, yeah it's it's a it's a fascinating evolution. I, I've always been saying that I would chart this data out, and I've never done it because I don't want to. But you <laughs> listeners have the data now, so you can. And uh, you have the data now. <laughs> that's my that that is the catchphrase of the worst superhero in the world, <laughs> spreadsheet man. <laughs> oh well, listen. There's one thing we've always capped off our grunt counts with, and uh, I've opted to take a very different approach to this, which is to not practice at all. Great. Great. (laughs) I've I've put home improvement and grunting out of my mind since the end of season eight. Mm -hmm. So you've not been practicing your grunting abilities. Not even a little bit. And so I'm prepared to fail miserably right now. For my final grunt work or my final grunt impression. Okay, okay, I'm I'm prepared. I'm prepared for you to fail, but I'm also ex- I am I'm ready for you to soar because I have that much faith in you. <laughs> well, we've talked about the different iterations that I've gone through of starting too low, uh, extending it too much, going too high. Um, that it needs to just come from the inner person and not think about it. It's a reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm trying to, I, I've tried to like just embody those philosophies since we stopped doing this and hope that having those kicking around in the back of my brain will just inherently prepare me for this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so ready. Here we go. Ready to fail. <laughs> my final grunt work impression, grunt impression. <clears throat> That sounds a lot C+. like that. I I I give it a I give it a solid B at least, and I think that okay. in terms of sounding like the one, that sounds the most like the one that comes at the end of the opening credits. I think that in the past you've done one that sounds like a legit Tim Grunt. This one mm-hmm. this one sounds like the one that as the as the screen as the title screen is rolling up and dropping off off All camera. Right. The the one that you hear at the end of our show. Then here I'm gonna ask one more time. You said you were. Can gonna... you give me? Give me the the like patent turban caps uh, <laughs> you, you style want a little mouth singing to get us out of here. A on? little little mouth singing. Give me those last few notes that lead into Tim Allen's grunt at the end of uh, the theme song. Okay, all right. This is this is this is the classy way to, to end. Honestly, I think it was better the first time, but, uh, you know, I still... (laughs) 
It felt better the second time. Well, hey, that's what matters the most. If you feel good doing it, Tim didn't feel good doing the grunts, and that's why he stopped doing them. I'm glad I never have to grunt again in my life. Yeah, yeah. Unless, you know, well, I mean, you do have a whole house that you're doing work on now, that's though. True. So, I mean, you probably yeah. will wind up doing it without even intending to. Because that's what being a man is, apparently. <laughs> All right, Truman. Uh, let's start to pack things up and uh, head out of this uh, little grunt work studio we've created for ourselves uh, yep we've we've cleaned everything we're gonna get the security deposit <laughs> mailed back to us there's just a phone plugged into the wall and a couple of boxes from you store it <laughs> jesus what a what a bleak picture I, um <laughs> we're moving to better things we've got a much better studio That's fair. oh yeah, yeah we're, we're upgrading yeah our studios it's gonna have so, so many more corner spaces <laughs> you yeah. won't even believe your eyes it, it's it's just better for our growing podcast family um, so I think before we, we say adieu, uh, I didn't really define this for either of us. I, I just added a section here that says thank yous. Yeah. So I, I think let's just acknowledge the thanks that we want to give to whoever we want to give thanks to, uh, as we, we leave grant work here. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, why don't you start so I both can listen very carefully to what you're saying, but also make sure I don't forget anyone. Well, I, I we thanked our patrons in our, our Grunt Work Goodnight episode, and um, so I don't want to name, I don't think, anyone specifically, except just the general listening audience, uh, who, you know, we, we don't always have a one-on-one connection with. People who drop in and out of our show um, over the years, people who've left us ratings, said yeah. great things either publicly or in our DMs. Um, you know, it, it, we talk about, you know, we've mentioned how this could, <laughs> this absurd premise could feel like we're talking into a vacuum. And yeah. especially those early seasons when <laughs> we're f- trying, striving so hard, unprofessional to create content by coming up with fan theories that just don't make a lick of sense. No, they really Uh, didn't. They really did not. You all have been gracious to be lenient through those early seasons (laughs) and, and live with us through the, the dark times of uh, season three uh, of the show. Mm. And then the dark times of the world in which we experienced while recording grunt work. Yeah. Uh, There's so much to be thankful for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that podcasts uh, mean a lot to me. They've been really helpful to me through, uh, I I really got into podcasts when the world started getting aggressively scary in, uh, in late 2016. And it has been so helpful to me to have, Friends who I can listen to having conversations and feel like I am a part of something fun and something easy and enjoyable and relax. And it just is so endlessly meaningful to me that we can be that thing for some of you. Uh, or Well, hopefully for all of you who are listening to this, you enjoy it. Hopefully you don't have <laughs> hate listeners. But honestly, if we do have hate listeners, hey, guys, thank you for your commitment as well. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah. just, yeah, you, you guys, um, yeah. Every one of you who's reached out, and just really even any one of you who's has listened, every one of you who's listened, uh, it it thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking hours out of your day to listen to two people, life. 
uh, out of Many, your life. Hundreds of hours out of your life. For however much of this you've listened to, thank you for taking the time to do it. I'm glad. I hope that we kept you company while you were doing something, while you were on the bus, or while you were folding laundry. I hope that we made whatever else was going on in your life at that time better, because making yeah. this podcast, I think, has made both of our lives better. It, you know, as much as we joke that it hasn't, I, I think that we've both found a lot of purpose and meaning in doing this, and it's brought us closer together as friends. Uh, I don't have a lot of friends who live, you know, thousands of miles away from me who I talk to for hours every week. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I I hope it's been as positive for you guys as it's been for us. I am just awestruck that there are, without, without doxing people, uh, and without, like, patting ourselves on the back, because, you know, if it, if it wasn't us, you know, there'd be somebody else. There, I, I'm there not have, deluding there myself into thinking other people. <laughs> No, I'm saying if if we weren't podcasting, they would fill it with another meaningful podcast to them. But the fact that we get to be that podcast mm -hmm. for people who've reached out to tell us, like, this has helped them get through the grocery store because of social anxiety or because of stimulation issues that, uh, you know, people who've shared their medical issues and personal history histories with marriage and and parenting and like real personal stuff that you know we I, I i don't want to speak for you but i don't often have those conversations with those who are closest to me yeah the fact that we have elicited the trust of our listeners to share that with us uh it is no small thing and not something i take lightly yeah um me either. it's it, it's it's given me a new perspective on so many different things. Um, the, I don't know it. How do you, how do you say this without sounding like you're just reading off a script, you know, to, to talk about it being a privilege. I mean, it, it really truly is. It, yeah. The doing the show hasn't been the privilege. It's the connections that, we've made with the people along the way. It's the friends yeah. you made along the way. Uh, yeah, Ruben. that's it. That, there's, I mean, there's no way that, to make it not sound like a script, but I think as uh, much as it, at the very end of last episode's marathon session, we realized, wait, I think yeah. actually we liked this show a lot more than we thought we did. At the end of this episode, we're realizing that, yeah, the friends we made along the way was the real thing. We're just l discovering the most obvious points right at the, right at the very last. I think there's one last thank you I need to mention here. Yeah. Which is to thank you, Truman, <laughs> for being my, my podcast partner through this and helping shape, you know, my worldview uh, as we've <laughs> gone through these. <laughs> not 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 giving me your worldview, but helping shape my own. Uh, it's been an interesting journey and a fun one and one I would never – change for anything else i i mean i mean look at, at, as much as it may sound like i'm reading off a script here uh i would only <laughs> i would only offer the same thanks to you man this has been uh i i this is not a thing that i could have done on my own this is not a thing that i would have done on my own i could think of nobody better suited to sitting and obsessing about a ridiculous thing than you and there's no one i would rather obsess about ridiculous things with um i'm getting down on one knee now and pulling out a <laughs> pulling out a ring i also 
I, I don't want to upstage your thank you with one other thank you. I also just want to give a shout out to my girlfriend, Kirsty, who not only listens to every episode of this show, sometimes in the shower, so I will hear our voices echoing out of the shower, <laughs> uh, has also been s- supporting us on Patreon from very early in our relationship and uh, mm-hmm. also routinely eats dinner late because I've been sitting in my office talking late into the night about Is home that- improvement with my bro. <laughs> Is that a, a hint hint right now? That's not a hint hint right now. That's just that's just if I'm you know, I I acknowledge this this podcast enhances a lot of people's lives. It does take some things out of other people's lives though, and we should also we should also recognize that. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes into this show. Yeah. But it's you know um nothing good ever yeah. happened without sacrifice though, am I right, folks? Well, then I guess there's only one question left to ask. And it's not, does everybody know what time it is? Mm. The question is, what what did we learn from grunt work? I think we learned that, that, I think we learned that you can look at anything, even something that seems really simplistic and has a reputation for being dumb, and you can find the multitudes inside that and you can if you look at something hard enough you can find a lot that's interesting and thought-provoking within it and that it takes all kinds of people to make television and uh what did you learn um i think exactly the same thing but I'm going to extrapolate it a little broader by saying that and maybe this is me putting my worldview out to the listeners. If I if I were to leave everyone with one final thought from Landon Solano, maybe not even from grunt work, but that I, I that I learned while doing grunt work, it's that things only have the meaning we give them, hmm. and. That's not something to take lightly. That if you're going to give meaning to something, it's worth putting in the work to examine mm-hmm. and taking lessons away from it mm-hmm. and understanding where and how that thing continues to have meaning and how that meaning might change over time. Mm. Uh yeah. I don't think I want to be more specific than that. Yeah. I think that's I think that hits it. That that kind of I think that's what we did. <laughs> it's one of the things we did. It's one of the things we did. We did a lot of things. Uh I it's 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 tough. It's tough now that we're at this point where it's like I feel like every word I say has has to be profound and I've said like four no. profound <laughs> words in my whole life. No, why start now? <laughs> Uh, you know what I like to do in those moments is just make a little fart noise. Oh God! Don't, let's not let's not end with that. Let's not end with that. I th- then we'll have to do a fourth episode where we apologize to people. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, all right. You can just cut that part out. Good. Um. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Well, then. Uh. I guess until the next show. Uh. I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps and. Remember, 
Hang on. I've been trimming caps. No, no, hang on. Sorry, go ahead. I've been trimming caps. I'm, what if it was just and remember? Yeah, yeah, that that's right. I'm trimming caps and remember. Remember the Alamo. <laughs> the Alamo? No, oh, fuck. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>